0: This week on Geek Explained, in part two of Geektober 2021, returning guest Matt Draper joins me for a look back at one of the most iconic horror franchises as we rank every Halloween movie ever. <laughs> I can't Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and this week's episode is part two of Geektober 2021, where every week in the month of October, we're bringing you a brand new episode looking at a different corner of the spooky, scary, Halloween tastic season. Uh, that kind of got away from me there. But last week, we checked out the world of video games. This week, we are diving into film. Returning guest Matt Draper is going to be joining me for this episode as we go through every single installment of the Michael Myers, Laurie Strode, Haddonfield saga and rank them from worst to worst to best it's a really fun conversation can't wait to share that with you we also have this week's weekly review on the latest episode of doom patrol season three and of course rounding out everything we've got this week's comics countdown and just so you know listener um i am very sick i have been uh, in and out of urgent care over the past couple days i recorded most of this in advance so Um, this is me just kind of popping in during the editing process. Um, there's, I'm going to be saving the new segment and the wrap up for next week. Um, I'm just not feeling too hot. So, uh, enjoy the conversation. We're going to have a great time. Uh, we're going to roll with a little different order this time around. We're going to go weekly review first, comics countdown after that, and then we're going to jump into the full unedited, uncut, unscripted conversation between me and Matt Draper. So let's go ahead and start things off with the weekly review. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And this week we're reviewing episode number five of Doom Patrol season three entitled dada patrol not data this is dada d-a-d-a uh specifically the sisterhood of dada but what i really liked is we talked about last week how i didn't really enjoy last week's episode as much as the first three specifically the dead boy detectives episode my favorite so far this season um this one was really good this one bounced back from that kind of lull like i said last week's episode is not bad by any means just wasn't my favorite this one is definitely on the upswing and it starts off right away with some my chemical romance so i saw this on twitter somebody pointed out that technically gerard way has worked on doom patrol not technically he has but technically Gerard Way exists in Doom Patrol and has also worked on Doom Patrol. The co- Anyway, it starts off with some My Chemical Romance. Some My Chemical Romance is playing. I love that. Of course, they have to have My Chemical Romance on Vinyl because that's just the edgy, quirky team that they are. But I really like that. I I love whenever they bring in like um pop culture references into my media um at at a certain point jane calls uh laura doctor who which just made me smile it just made me really happy uh because she was Missy. i love it but yeah so the one of the big thrusts from this episode is all the drama with the underground right so Kay wants to go up Kay has never been up ever since she was a little girl. Uh, It's always been one of the other personalities, or Jane is the primary. Um, And this is the first time that we've at least seen that she's been wanting to go up. And for some reason, the other personalities don't want this to happen. It's unclear exactly what's going on there, but I'm interested to see how this kind of shakes out. Uh, Similarly... Cyborg is also dealing with some uh, autonomy issues of his own. He gets brought back online. Uh, his dad, you know, Silas, kind of brings it back online. I was sad that it just kind of, like, that whole plot of him being, you know, shut off was just like, oh, here, it's resolved. But, I mean, what can you do? They they kind of, I can, I can only guess that they wanted to get that out of the way so they could have him do some cool stuff again. But... Cyborg gets switched back online. Silas is doing it without uh, Star Labs approval, as far as we know. Uh, And similarly to all of that, Cliff is dealing with his Parkinson's by ODing on his medication. Um, this is very not okay, um, he takes way too much, and so the, um, I guess the medication, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it is, um, some kind of, like, dopamine increaser, uh, and so he's just, like, tripping the entire episode. Uh, it's, it's sad, it's, you know, they play it up for laughs, they play it up for comedy, but it is kind of sad to watch this happen. Um, the plots or the main narrative, of this episode is that uh, Laura, Laura DeMille now knowing who she is, wants them to infiltrate the Sisterhood of Dada and figure out what their deal is. Um... This results in the group splitting up for the most part. Everybody except Rita goes to try and infiltrate the Sisterhood of Dada, while uh, Rita stays back with Laura. Laura shows her the footage that we saw at the end of last week's episode with her in the footage watching Laura from afar. And the two of them realize, oh man, she's a time traveler. And Rita gets excited. And this is what I love about Rita's story arc from season to season it's her trying to figure out who she is. Is she Rita Far the actress? Is she Rita Far the member of the Doom Patrol? Is she the elastic woman? Is she, you know, Elastigirl? Is she, you know, an actress, you know, on the community player stage? And is she a superhero? And so this season she is trying to You know, figure out a new identity, which is Rita Farr, world-renowned time traveler. I love how she approaches everything with a musical theater passion. Um, It's it's wonderful. makes makes my heart sing. She's my favorite character. It's so good, but. The two of them kind of have this bonding experience where the two of them are trying to fix the time machine. Meanwhile, um, the rest of the group gets lost in the woods, and Jane encounters Shelley Byron, a.k.a. The Fog, one of the members of the Sisterhood of Dada, and she is charismatic, she is enticing, and she is terrifying. Um, she is able to interact with Kay and also set up this whole, like, thing, uh, and it's unclear whether she's inside, uh, Kay's mind or Jane's mind or if Jane gets pulled into her mind, uh, because she is the fog. She is this, you know, they're, they're driving the bus into the woods, And this fog kind of rolls in. They're not sure what's going on. Um, Cliff has some shenanigans. Larry crashes the bus. And then all of a sudden, they're all off to the races dealing with their own stuff. Uh, Cyborg encounters like this bicycle man, which I thought was really compelling. All of the people who show up here... Are interesting. I don't know if all of them are just kind of like figments, and um, Shelley Byron is the only real character. But it's very interesting seeing where everybody goes and seeing how you know Cliff is interacting with this person in a glass box, uh, Cyborg is dealing with the Bicycle Man, and Jane is dealing with. The fog. Um, we also get some more development for Larry. He's got some weird, like, moving tumor around him. And it's hinted at at the end of the episode that this, you know, whatever this growth is, this tumor, this is it, as they keep calling it, might actually be the negative spirit. And it might be trapped. Um I'm super, super interested to see what they do with him with that. Uh, They also run into Larry's son, who is somehow trapped in the fog. Uh, They rescue him. They bring him back. And Larry is wanting to take care of him, nurse him back to health. Uh, The fog ends up, you know, nearly corrupting uh, Kay and Jane, though Hammerhead and the other personalities break into this, like, you know, um, ice cream shop And I say shop is an S H O P P E, uh, and rescue Jane and K and all of them like kind of wake up back in the bus. Nothing had happened. It was all in their minds, very unsettling stuff. And when they head back, everybody is changed. Everybody is shaken by what they saw. Everyone's like, we're not going back there. We're not dealing with sisterhood of Dada. That was too much, um, Back in the underground, uh, because of Kay almost getting tempted to, I don't know, escape or go up top, the other personalities are essentially confining her to her room. So, I don't know where this is going, but I am very curious to see what they do with Jane, what they do with Kay, what they do with the other personalities. Is there going to be a war in the underground? Is there going to be uh, another Kay's rebellion? We don't know, but I am In for the ride, for sure. And the end of the episode kind of ties in with Rita and Laura's conversation, where they're both slightly hammered, uh, Laura more so, but Rita's kind of tucking her in, and she's like, you know, Rita, Rita Farr, world-renowned time traveler. And Laura says, you know, I've only known you for less than 48 hours, and Rita Farr is not who you are. And it's, it's that kind of, like, drunken rambling that's, like, incredibly wise, but at the same time, she probably has no concept of what she's saying but this really strikes Rita her entire journey across these three seasons so far has been identity and so when she goes back to the time machine that they fixed it's ready to go to send Laura wherever she needs to go Rita decides I'm going to take the time machine and she hops in, flips it on. And that's where the episode ends. I was like, ah, God, Um, I enjoyed this episode. I really am interested to see where everybody goes. Everyone is in a very different place than they started the episode, which is super cool, Uh, dynamic and uh, really engaging storytelling. And this season is nowhere near what I thought this season was going to be so far. And I can't wait to see where Rita Far goes next. But that is going to do it for this week's weekly review. Tune in next week for episode number six. But for now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. <laughs> Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, I think surprising no one, though it was kind of surprising to me, it ended up being Amazing spider Spider-Man number 75, written by Zeb Wells, art by Patrick Gleason. Spider-Man is back. Spider-Man is back in a big, bad way. The Beyond era has begun, and this opening chapter of the Ben Reilly Spider-Man saga was Awesome. I loved getting to see Ben and Peter interacting. Ben is now like the the corporately sanctioned Spider-Man and he's the conversation they have in the diner where he's like, "Hey man, look, like Otto while he was Superior Spider-Man. I love a Superior Spider-Man reference." He's like, "Otto like trademarked the term Spider-Man and the Beyond Corporation bought it." So like I'm Spider-Man, legally. I just, I love the idea of that, and the cliffhanger for the issue was really, really cool. So I'm excited to see where they go with it, and uh, that is going to continue on this week. But that's last week's books. This week, we've got one, two, three, four, five. We got 10 books. We're back up to double digits. Let's go ahead and dive into the list. Kicking things off with Blue and Gold number three. This is written by Dan Juergens with art by Ryan Sook. Maybe this will come out this week. Who knows? (laughs) I had a whole rant last week and I just, um, I don't know. We'll see. But I have enjoyed uh, the first two issues. Um, it's fun to get these two back together. Uh, I will say if I show up to my comic book shop and this isn't there again, I'm just I'm not going to pick up this book anymore. I'm sorry. I really enjoy the book, but I, I don't like getting my hopes up for a book that doesn't come out. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm fingers crossed. I want to I want to read this book. This book's fun. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The million-dollar debut of Buggles. Buggles. Uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle go broke. Ted Kord's secret is out. The heir to the cord Industries fortune has been cut off and cut out of his family's company. Now, the duo needs all the help they can get to fight off the Omnizons attack and set up their new business. Who can possibly save the guys from themselves? Meet the newest member of Blue and Gold... Buggles. I buggles. I mean, come on. It's dumb. It's ridiculous. It's exactly what Blue and Gold promises and delivers on. Next up we have Superman and the Authority number four. This is written by Grant Morrison with art by Mikel Janine. This is, I believe, the conclusion of Superman and the Authority. We don't know. Like Let me just make this very clear. We don't know how this book fits into continuity. Uh, We saw at the end of the most recent Action Comics book that Superman has this group. He has this group together. They're going to War World. This book has detailed the formation of the the group, but these Superman don't look like each other. And I don't just mean like, you know, artist differentials. Superman is rocking... Uh, He's rocking his best Reed Richards hairstyle with the Silver Fox Grey Temples. He's got the Kingdom Come insignia. I'm hoping we get some answers here. I'm hoping we get some answers, uh, but I don't know. And that makes me really excited because Grant Morrison, they work on a whole different level from everybody else. So we'll see what happens. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Is the team ready for what's next? Will the Man of Steel's new supergroup fall apart before they even begin? The Ultra Humanite has put together his own team of rogues designed to match the Authority fist for fist. This series come to an explosive conclusion that will threaten to split the Man of Steel in half. Oh. Oh. What does that mean? That could be really fun. Are we doing a Superman Red, Superman Blue situation? Uh, interesting very interesting so we'll see what happens looking forward to this for sure next up we have I am Batman number 2 this is written by John Ridley with art by Stephen Segovia I was kind of expecting that Olivier Coppel was going to be doing the whole thing, but we'll see. I enjoyed the first issue. I think having Jace Fox kind of get his uh, trial by fire, literally, in Future State, in his first big run as as a Batman, is very cool. We'll see what happens here. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Jace Fox is on the streets as Batman, fighting the misinformation and violence flooding Gotham City during Fear State. What mysterious connection exists between the magistrate and the next Batman's second son villain, Arkadyne? And what Gotham vigilante pays the ultimate price when a misguided young man shoots him down in cold blood? Ooh, Interesting. Um, there's a lot of Gotham vigilantes, so we'll see what happens there. Very interested to see what goes on. Next up, we have Iron Man number 13. This is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Cafu, Cafu's book. Um, this, I'm assuming, is going to be the conclusion. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, everything's been leading to this. This is the big final showdown against Korvac in the ship, uh, in the former ship of Galactus. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do here. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The epic showdown between Iron Man and his allies and Korvac and his cohorts continues aboard Galactus' world ship. Reinforcements have finally arrived, and Tony Stark now stands a better chance of stopping Korvac from accessing the power cosmic, and becoming a power-crazed god all over again. Can Tony and War Machine, Hellcat, Scarlet Spider, Frogman, Gargoyle, Misty Knight, and Halcyon end this fight once and for all? Or are things about to get a whole lot worse? And if they do, will Tony be forced to make a choice that alters the course of his very human existence forever? Uh, this to me, I mean, the, the basic, uh, thought process of that means that we're going to be getting the ladder, right? Things are about to get a whole lot worse. It has to be. Um, this kind of makes me think that maybe we're going to get, uh, Iron God, um, Who knows? We'll have to see what happens. Looking forward to this for sure. Next up, we have Justice League Last Ride, number six. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Miguel Mendonca. Um, I've been loving this book. I wish this was the main Justice League book because it's so good. Uh, The team they've got is awesome. The hook, the narrative has been great. And it's really... I don't know. It feels like a premiere title. So I've been loving it. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The Justice League is stranded on an apocalypse that's deadlier than ever, with Earth in its crosshairs. And while the League battles with hordes and the clock, they're presented with the ultimate quandary, protect the galaxy's most most ruthless bounty hunter lobo sacrifice him or do something more unspeakable even worse they must do all of this while dealing with a traitor in their midst will they be too late since all roads lead to dark side that's heavy there's a lot going on there um like i said i'm excited this feels like tentpole um, blockbuster storytelling on a grand scale, and I think that's exactly what the Justice League should feel like. Next up, we have X-Men number four. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pina. Um, where is my boy? Where is where is our guy? Um, I know that I've been really loving the book so far. I think that... A lot of that has to do with the art, so I'm not sure about how I'm going to feel with this artist change-up, but we'll see. I am absolutely willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's only Chapter 4, so I'm sure that this is probably just kind of a stopgap. this might even, I mean, the cover is very Halloween-esque, so maybe this is just a Halloween tie-in. We'll see. But I love the cover. I love how um, weird it is. It's got a headless horseman and the head that he's carrying is Cyclops. So come on, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Fearless, Chapter 4. Heads up. It's Halloween and the X-Men have to face a horror born of a neighboring town in Westchester. The Headless horsemen and that's not the only terror targeting them so that's ominous um looking forward to this book for sure it's been very very good next up we have batman 89 number three this is of course written by sam ham with art by joe Quinones. I've been loving it. Genuinely been loving diving back into this world with these characters. Um, I love the world that they've set up. We've got a new Barbara Gordon. We've got Harvey Dent. We've got a new Robin. Um, And we might just be getting the birth of Two-Face in this issue. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here as the fire rages at royal auto harvey dent lies trapped inside unconscious and in danger can bruce wayne get to harvey in time or will the district attorney have burned in more ways than one uh super cool love 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 that um i'm excited i really dig the aesthetic here the art is gorgeous the writing is fantastic Pick this up if you can. Next up, we have Shang-Chi number five. This is written by Gene Luen Yang with art by DK Ruan. And this is continuing the Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe story. Um, I've been loving it. I love that he's getting to interact with a different tentpole of the Marvel Universe with every issue. It's just fantastic. It really makes Shang-Chi feel big time, which he should be. And I am loving the treatment of the character. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Shang-Chi vs. the Marvel Universe, Part 5. Meet the new Iron Man. Shang-Chi? A weapons dealer offers up a stolen Iron Man suit to Shang-Chi's organization. But will Shang-Chi take it to use in his war against crime? And what will Tony Stark have to say about it? Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that we continue to call back to Tony Stark's time as a weapons manufacturer, even though he's, pr- he's not doing that anymore. And having something like that you know, that kind of organized gun running, run up against this new criminal empire that Shang-Chi is establishing while at the same time undermining. I love all the layers that this book is working under. Really, really dig it. But the big two books of the week, the books I think you should absolutely be picking up are Thirst Strange Adventures number 12, written by Tom King, art by Mitch Jarrods and Doc Shaner. We finally made it. Two weeks delayed. Here we are. It's time for the conclusion of Strange Adventures. I've loved this book. I think it's been a fantastic follow-up to all of Tom King's other uh, 12-issue maxi-series. It's going to stand right up next to him, uh, giving us incredible moments with Mr. Terrific, giving us a wonderful character study on Adam Strange, and giving us one of the most dynamic heroines in comics in recent memory in Alana Strange. Really dig it. Can't wait to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Chapter 12. Mr. Terrific hasn't just dug into the past. He's jackhammered it to pieces, exposing Adam Strange's deepest, darkest secrets. If Adam did commit war crimes, he needs to be punished. But how do you pull a hero off the field of battle when he's staving off an alien invasion that supposedly only he can stop? Is the truth worth it? And what if Terrific is wrong? The only one who may know for sure... Alana Strange. Find out in this final issue of one of the year's most exciting comic book miniseries. So, yeah, tells you everything you need to know. It is going to be a three way dance between Alana. Adam Strange, and Mr. Terrific, and I cannot wait to see how this wraps up. And the other big book of the week, the other big book I think you should absolutely be checking out is The Amazing Spider-Man number 76. Written by Zeb Wells, art by Patrick Leeson, story by Kelly Thompson, Sullivan, Ahmed, and Cody Ziegler alongside Zeb Wells. Chapter two of Spider-Man Beyond is looking real dark. Looks like something bad is about to happen. Um, I don't know I don't know what's happening here and I love it. I absolutely love, I don't know where the story is going to go. We've seen similar premises to how, I don't know if I said that correctly, to how, you know, a story like this could go. But having this brain trust, this very um, brand new day-esque style storytelling makes me really excited to see what they do with these characters. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The unthinkable has happened zeb wells and patrick gleason will remind you why you love and hate comics oh what does that mean what is that are they are they gonna do it are they gonna do it if you've read last week's issue um uh, there is a very real chance that someone is gonna die so oh man i'm stoked i'm stoked to see what happens here uh but yeah that wraps up this week's comics countdown to recap we have blue and gold number three superman and the authority number four i am batman number two iron man number 13 justice league last ride number six x-men number four batman 89 number three shang chi number five strange adventures number 12 and the amazing spider-man number 76 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of Geektober. This is the month-long series where every single week we're going to be tackling a different corner of the Halloween horror spooky universe, multiverse, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Last week we covered the world of video games where we dove into the history of P.T., the Silent Hill franchise, and what could have been with Silent Hills. This week, we're going into film because, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a little-known franchise, little-known movie that's coming out this week called Halloween Kills. This is the latest installment of the Halloween franchise, and so I figured it'd be a great time to take a look back at the series and rank definitively objectively and have some sense of finality to the official ranking of all 11 of the films so far and of course to talk about this i had to bring in the only man who i would trust to give his unbiased professional and completely unrelated to wrestling opinion matt draper matt welcome back hey buddy how's it going thanks for having me on yeah, man, I'm excited to talk about Halloween with you, man. I know that horror is a big uh big part of your your life and your YouTube channel as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that maybe sometimes I'm classified as a comic tuber, but I at least in the last year or two, I've put out as many horror videos as I have comic book videos. So, uh definitely have a a, a big itch
0: that I can never quite scratch for horror. <clears throat> Absolutely. He's he's a man of many talents. He dips his toes <laughs> into comics, into Uh, horror and of course he is the king of zilla style with all of the godzilla films (laughs) so um real quick before we dive into the main uh main course of this segment i've been asking guests this and i want to make this a question that i uh put guests on the spot when we record two things what is your favorite thing about the halloween season and do you have a tradition that you do every year around this time?
1: Hmm, good questions. Thankfully, I was listening to the latest podcast just a couple hours ago, so I'm slightly prepared. Um <laughs> my, what uh, my favorite thing about Halloween? That's the question. Not what does Halloween mean to me, right? <laughs> what does Halloween mean to me?
0: Either way, um, I mean, what if if the if the two questions intersect? Feel free.
1: Um, I guess my favorite thing about Halloween is that I'm such a big horror fan. I'm a big fan of the fall season, um, just the aesthetics of it all. I just love it. And if I could, I would i would live in it all year round. So <laughs> it's nice when when the rest of the country kind of gets on board with it too. And uh, just kind of, it's like, oh yeah, now what I feel, and what I really like is kind of all around me for a little bit. So I really enjoy that about Halloween. And my family wasn't big into celebrating Halloween when I was growing up um my mom was a little um uh, i don't know kind (laughs) of kind of paranoid about halloween oh a little a little little, uh early 90s uh christian paranoia about uh halloween and and the whatnot i mean she went to a church that thought lord of the rings was evil so you know if that was if that was evil then halloween was definitely evil but um so i did some trick-or-treating when i was a kid but there wasn't really a lot of horror movies um there wasn't a whole lot of like working in, in the season. Um, so as I got older, I started to get really into horror movies and then um, it just kind of took off from there. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit when we're talking about Halloween in general that the movies, but I kind of didn't get into horror movies until like mid teens, late teens, early college was when I really started to like really, nice. really expand into it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's sort of uh, what, i really like about halloween is just the the whole like the outsides match the insides kind of thing (laughs) i like it uh halloween tradition is that uh every year uh, not necessarily on halloween but sometime in the lead up to it is that uh my wife and i carve pumpkins and watch uh it's the great pumpkin charlie brown yes yes oh
0: yes i anytime you can fit charlie brown in is a good time and a good tradition yes absolutely um (laughs) so that's that's one um yeah
1: what uh do you have any halloween traditions
0: uh i do you know when i was i was growing up i had almost the the opposite experience to you because i um I grew up in a recovering Catholic household. I went to uh, Catholic churches, I think, until I was like age two. And then my parents (laughs) decided they did not want to do that anymore. And uh, my mom actually uh, found Wicca. So I was raised as a a Wiccan kid. And so there was always a special time around Halloween Mm -hmm. and around the Samhain and all just everything yeah it had to do with the fall and i'm the same way like i love the fall aesthetic and i just i think that's fall is my favorite time of the year and so mm. whenever we would um whenever halloween would roll around my mom would get out this big cauldron like this legit like cast iron <laughs> cauldron and what we would do is because it's basically halloween is uh is uh, Wiccan New Year's Eve, we would do uh, we would write our resolutions essentially for what mm. we would like to see in the next year, and we'd burn them in the cauldron. And so that was always a tradition growing up for me. And now it's pretty much just watching Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, and, <laughs> you know, trying to uh, You're kind of get w- out of work early enough.
1: You're a lapsed Wiccan. I, I don't I don't meet too many of those. <laughs> I, there, we are few and far between. It's usually all in or not or never.
0: Well, you know, I like to have my hand in a lot of cookie jars, so I <laughs> I, I don't like to throw labels onto it. You know? Sure,
1: sure. Of course, of
0: course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah,
1: well, to, to uh, really mark the occasion of Halloween, I can think of no better way to, to get into it than to talk about what was promised at the end of the last episode. We're talking about Tom McFarlane's Spider-Man torment.
0: Here we are. I was so hoping that you were going to bring this up because you got a I went, Man shirt on and everything. I know for the occasion, I went and read Spider-Man oh. week in between the yeah. last episode you're on and now. And I am ready to do that episode with you. whenever you are, <laughs> I'll make that. I'll even make that a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so mm-hmm. bad. It was good when
1: I read it when I was 15, but uh, I did visit it afterward and thought, hmm uh, not so great and i gave i gave my graphic novel to someone else <laughs> i r- rarely give away a graphic novels but i was like i'm never reading this again here you go even though um voodoo zombie
0: lizard is an interesting idea it's kind of rad i mean yeah. on paper art's execution good. maybe not so much uh-huh. but i think the the both both the best and worst thing you could do is give away that comic to somebody else who is inevitably going to read it
1: yeah it, it does have the 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 best in my opinion look for spider-man with battle damage which is ripped open mouth
0: yes absolutely
1: if spider-man is is injured in a battle and his costume is ripped ripped open mouth maybe the eyes are still intact but the mouth is open i love that look that's Mm -hmm. a great look
0: it's it's the same thing with like having and i know this is a weird thing, but I like when Batman gets damaged and his cowl reveals one of his eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it's something that I really dig.
1: I like that too. Uh, I think Capullo did that a lot with like mm-hmm. Snyder, right? Especially reveals, in that
0: court of owls. Yeah. It,
1: re- it reveals some vulnerability, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a tangent. I figured I had to call it back, <laughs> but really there's no, there's no bigger figure that I associate with Halloween then you guessed it the hangman the Adam page oh oh because he just came back tonight at AEW oh, yeah. dynamite. you're right
0: spoilers coming. spoilers for everyone who didn't watch dynamite last week <laughs> when this comes out <laughs> doing some cowboy shit always gotta do cowboy shit this time he did cowboy shit off a ladder
1: yes even better
0: the wor- um, literally one of the worst kept secrets since oh, yeah. CM Punk. Like everybody knew he was going to be the Joker on Trent.
1: <laughs> Pretty great though. But uh, I have not escaped from the Undertaker yet on Netflix. Have you? Really? I, I, I
0: haven't. Changed. I haven't started it yet. But I've heard that uh, it's something. It's <laughs> something it that something. is on Netflix. That
1: sure is. You sure did make some content, Jimmy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's one of the best things to ever come out of that book is just that meme <laughs> specifically because it's doug uses it almost every other week <laughs> and it's it applies to literally everything it's amazing yeah that's great um but, but yeah you you knew listener that we had to at least dip a little bit into pro wrestling because that's that's what you come here to listen right
1: exactly i thought i mean when last time we talked we talked about torment we were speculating on CM Punk's return we were. it feels like it was, it was an age ago it really wasn't that long ago
0: i know and it it was literally like we recorded it and then in that same week within a day or two like there he was mhm so how did how did you feel real quick about CM Punk coming back how do you, how do you think he looks
1: i think he looks great i i think that, that was it was it was amazing i thought he's in like the best shape of his life maybe also and uh the first match back against um against Darby was awesome incredible um the second match against hobbs was okay but i'm sure that he just needs to kind of get back in the swing of things what about
0: you he's just got to warm up for his dream match with hook man once (laughs) send hook hook's Hook's (laughs) gonna hook's gonna sell out seventy thousand people with punk in the main event i'm telling you right now
1: you know bless punk because he is literally making so many people (laughs) on that show like every week he's like like who would talk about Hook before he before he said Hook? And <laughs> hey, the like, legend
0: of Hook has been long in the making. Okay, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like I mean I think that was kind of what his passion is too. Is like he wants to work with younger talent yeah. and he wants to kind of like bring them up too. And like he's doing it, like he's he's doing it like crazy. So good for him. I got Agreed. my Best in the World Ringer T shirt in the mail.
0: It's- I. I got it. I was yeah. able to somehow get into that broken website that weekend. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Amazing. I had to wait for the restock, so now it's That's on. all right. You you didn't settle for the the knockoff, no. just white tea. You Definitely gotta have not. the ring when it's, when it's punk. Exactly. exactly. I'm, I'm actually really excited for that inevitable punk MJF feud. Oh, that'll be That's great. Be incredible.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. On the mic, in the ring. It'll be great.
0: Even on commentary.
1: Even on <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's a five tool player. He really is. So Halloween. Uh... <laughs> uh, we are talking about the Halloween franchise. So Matt, for those listeners who may not be as <clears throat> familiar with Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise, can you give us just a basic breakdown of the series, uh, the character of Michael Myers, and really why he's so iconic in that horror space?
1: It's funny that Michael Myers is iconic as a character because he's a character that has no character. Yeah. <laughs> like, um and the more character he has the worse he is, I think. Um <clears throat> so Halloween horror movie came out in 1978 uh 1978. Yes. Yeah. Uh sorry, I didn't look up the dates beforehand even though I, but I have ingrained the entire history of the entire Halloween franchise <laughs> in my brain cuz I did a video on Halloween, a video on Halloween 2, and recently a video on all the unmade Halloween sequels. I've seen all the movies a few times. Um, so when it came out in 1978, it was um, directed by John Carpenter, who's my guy, and um, was co-written by Carpenter and his partner at the time and also producing partner, Deborah Hill. And they um, they made this movie for Mustafa Kod, um, you know, who wanted a... Uh, a horror movie about uh, babysitter murders it was basically his his pitch because he he was like he's an independent financer and thought horror would be a good way to get into film it often is cheap makes a lot of money and so he turned to carpenter and carpenter had only made two movies by then um dark star and assault on precinct 13 neither have neither are horror but have some horror elements to them uh, Carpenter agreed you know, and uh, wrote the scripts. And uh, Halloween was an extremely inexpensive uh, movie to make. Uh, if you watch the credits for Halloween, it, there are maybe 25 people total, like on the cast and crew. Um, and uh, it became, after it came out, what, the most profitable independent movie of all time. And I think when adjusted for inflation, it still might be, actually. It was huge, it was an enormous movie. Um, so the story is very simple there's a guy named Michael Myers and uh, he he stabs people (laughs) and that's about it but um, the movie opens with him as a as a young boy you don't see you don't know it's a young boy originally you find out right at the end of the opening scene he kills his sister is locked up 15 years later he escapes and he goes back home to Haddonfield Illinois uh, back to his home he's pursued by Dr. Samuel Loomis and uh, he just selects uh, a few girls, including uh, Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and she tries to survive the night. And that's basically it. And every, almost, almost every Halloween movie is basically Michael Myers returns, and he's killing people. He's usually targeting someone that's related to him, but I guess we'll get to that later. Um, and uh, that's kind of like the setup. Halloween is the tem- is the is the crystallization of the slasher movie. Now there were movies that were beforehand that were responsible for some of the tropes of the slasher. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Psycho, uh, Black Christmas, and uh, Peeping Tom are often cited as the four proto slashers that really kind of created the elements that Halloween took and um, put it in this form. And then boom, you got the slasher. Boom afterward. And Akkad was eventually like, we got to make more Halloween movies. And boy, have they made a lot of Halloween movies after. Um, Even though it took a few years to get Carpenter back and Hill back to work on the sequel. And so, yeah, it's just Michael, you know, he's got his, even if you've never seen a Halloween movie, you know, you know what he looks like. White mask, you know, jumpsuit, um, kitchen knife. That's about it. Uh, What is, what is your feeling? What are your feelings on Halloween in general? Your, your sort of background with the franchise.
0: So I'll be honest, my um, I'm not usually a horror guy. That's not something that I normally go and seek out. I have a really great appreciation for it, especially because a lot of the um, exposure that I have is through uh, friends of mine um, and films that I've worked in. I've almost on screen, it's almost been exclusively working in indie horror, mm-hmm. so it's I, I have a really interesting relationship with horror just as a genre. And I was actually introduced to Halloween by watching the uh, the first Rob Zombie film, and we'll get into oh, yes. it. So that was my first Halloween film. Yeah, um, mid two thousands, I was like, and it came out like I it was either like right around, or I'll have to look up the actual date, but it was right around my birthday. Mm -hmm. uh mid-2000s and a buddy of mine was like hey let's go watch it so we watched it and it was terrifying and i was like oh (laughs) this is michael myers okay got it and then like only later on did i find out that it was oh it's this gigantic like franchise essentially with all these different twists and twists and turns and it was a tentpole of the slasher franchise i think in uh in one of your videos i wa- i rewatched all three of them over the past week <laughs> cuz i wanted to make sure i i had my knowledge in check cuz matt is incredibly um knowledgeable when it comes to this franchise there's like a mo- a moment in one of your videos where you literally list in alphabetical order all of the films that were inspired by halloween just and...
1: between halloween and halloween 2 yeah.
0: yeah and it's a long list and yeah. Like, I didn't realize how influential Halloween was to the genre. Mm-hmm. And so going back, watching the films, especially like rewatching some of them for this episode, was kind of a trip. And it's one of those <laughs> long-running franchises where you really do get to see how it changes as the years go on. How the format stays either the same or changes, whether, uh, or I guess how much... Uh, personal investment michael has in who he's hunting yeah. you know it it's really it's fascinating and i think there's a reason that it's stuck around for so long yeah. so i'm i'm a i'm a tangential fan of the franchise and not something that i seek out but i have uh-huh. a really deep appreciation for it
1: i mean yeah I, you know it's it's funny is that halloween isn't isn't my favorite horror franchise it's not even my favorite slasher franchise it's just the most interesting one to talk about
0: for sure um
1: i'm more of a friday the 13th guy same um uh dang ass freaks like us i guess prefer
0: uh
1: <laughs> Ward, he's over at michael myers but i just think that one's a little bit more fun um i really and i guess we'll talk about this more but the quality of the halloween franchise is it it, it, it oof.
0: it's varied it, oof. to say the least. It's
1: Yeah, and 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 mostly it mostly varied in how bad it is. <laughs> like it's like yeah. a roller coaster that goes up and then just goes down, 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 oh, man. up and then down, down, down. Um, like the the amount of times that this franchise gets resuscitated and then almost immediately squanders the goodwill is insane.
0: Um, Much like wrestling, in fact.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. wwe oh i'm back on board wait what (laughs) um and but (sighs) friday the 13th it it doesn't hit the highs like the of the original halloween or of like even the original nightmare on elm street Mm -hmm. um but it is so much more consistent like there's some stinkers within it but generally speaking like you can have a pretty good time with almost every single friday movie and there's some halloween movies that are like you watch and you're like, well, never
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was fun, y'all. We're going to get out of here. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's so interesting because this... We'll talk about it more, but the amount of timelines that are in the Halloween oh, franchise.
0: God. There it, are... Isn't there like a multi... Wasn't there like ideas for like a multiverse at one point?
1: Yes. Well, in the video, I talk about the different movies that were almost made. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them restarts it again, focuses on Samuel Loomis, kills Laurie Strode halfway through the first movie. Um, and Loomis is the star. And at the climax of the third movie in this planned trilogy, you'd find out that it's part of a multiverse. This yeah. multiverse has this one in it, then that the original Halloween, um, the Halloween four timeline, and like the remake timeline are all m- part of the multiverse, and this one has a psychic connection with Michael, and Michael makes hundreds of duplicates of himself using inmates at the asylum. Um, it's wild. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, so, oof. so,
0: so you're saying that Halloween did the multiverse first? Would
1: have definitely would <laughs> have. Although of course it was not comics, but yeah, it would have been like
0: the Myers verse. Huh. The Myers verse
1: into the Myers. Into, into <laughs> uh, what a what a terrifying prospect that would be, both in terms of
0: getting killed and the quality of movies you'd probably encounter along the way. Oh man, do you think it would just? I I really want that like lineup of that that framing in Spider Verse where it's like all of the different Spider people from across <laughs> the multiverse, but it's just all the same Michael Myers just standing next to each other in a room.
1: You could tell them apart. That's another That's thing true. the mask is always changing.
0: Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Oof. So basically what we're going to do is something a little different. We're not going to do our traditional, because we've done this before where we've talked about, you know, how we would rank films and franchise. This time we're we're shaking things up. So basically this is how it's going to go down. 11... Films to rank between the two of us and we haven't shared our lists with each other prior to this So this is going to be all a hundred percent fresh So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth. We're going to mention the the uh, Films as they're ranked, but we won't go into a full discussion until both Both of our lists contain a movie so like say the way that the way that Matt described this to me, right? so was by some cruel act of god if matt draper puts the original halloween film at number 11 and i as the one true god put it at number 1 i we would have to wait until we got to the very last point to be able to discuss it now i don't believe that there is going to be a large disparity in our numbering so i think it's going to go pretty hot shot but matt since you are the guest here what is your number 11 in the halloween film franchise
1: my number 11 is the original halloween
0: i knew it i knew it <laughs>
1: no 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 i'm not a heathen uh, my number 11 and boy there were some contenders uh Where were they is halloween resurrection mine too perfect excellent let's talk
0: about this piece of garbage
1: (laughs) what a piece of garbage it is
0: oh my god so let me pull this up so halloween resurrection was released on july 12th of 2002 directed by rick rosenthal with a script by larry brand and sean hood it was produced by paul freeman and it continues the story of halloween h2o matt do you remember do you remember seeing this film for the first time yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember it. I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember watching it eventually and thinking, well, it doesn't get much worse than that. Does it? What about, what about you?
0: Yeah. You know, I first saw this, what is it? It's 2021. So I saw this right around 10 years ago for the okay. first time. Mm-hmm. Um, And I just, I mean, it was, it was within like the first five films that I saw mm-hmm. from the Halloween franchise. And I was like, they can't all be this bad, right? <laughs> There's no possible way. Oh. And it it's it's bad, y'all, like we're going to be discussing spoilers here, like not like we're not going to go beat by beat, we're but we're going to be discussing spoilers in the film. And I knew that this was going to be a train wreck when they killed Laurie Strode. Anytime you kill Laurie Strode, <laughs> I think is an issue for me personally. Sure. Yeah. And the way that they just kind of murked her at what was it, the first ten minutes of the film, yeah, and then it becomes the uh the Halloween War between Michael Myers and Busta rhymes, like,
1: <laughs> one which Busta soundly wins
0: absolutely wins, which is like it had to be in his contract that he it's like one of those like fast and furious contracts where they can't oh, yeah. get their ass kicked at any point. there's a certain quota of hits that they can actually take in a film, yeah. Buster Rhymes had to be the first person to get that kind of contract because there's no way physically like I'm sure Buster Rhymes is a built dude and I'm sure that he could break me over his knee. But like there's no way that he could take Michael Myers.
1: No, especially not after everything that's happened in these movies. Like every time Michael Myers is defeated, it's because there's like a like a hail of bullets, right? And he's like sort of out in the open and that's the only way. And even then, you know, he's not done it.
0: Or there's a railing. Right. A mysteriously <laughs> placed railing.
1: Yes, that happens sometimes. <laughs> um so, you know, when H2O happened it they lured Jamie Lee Curtis back to the franchise because <laughs> she I guess at that point she was willing to come back after wanting to be done for quite a while, and it was also the the idea to like really close out this whole story. We'll get to the end of H2O in just a few in a few minutes, whenever. <laughs> I'm sure. Um and uh You know, the beginning of this movie immediately walks it back, immediately undoes it. But they filmed the beginning of this movie at the very end of the production of H2O. So they immediately knew they were going to undo it because Akkad said, you can't just end the series. Like, we're going to keep going with the franchise, obviously. Um, They walk it back. But Curtis said, like, no, I'm done. Like, really, I'm done. So she was like, kill me. Like I'm um, like kill me off, please, of and they they do. But the thing about um, the thing about the Halloween franchise is that it has very specific characters and very specific circumstances that recur that give the meaning to this franchise. And while it's been reset and everything, you know, Laurie Strode or things to do with Laurie Strode are always big elements of the franchise. There's always going to be that because Friday the Thirteenth, you know. It's a whole new cast almost every single time besides like Pretty Tommy much, Jarvis and yeah. three of them. <laughs> or um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, there'll be like one character that comes back for the next one, and usually they die and then someone picks up the baton from there for the next one, and that's it. Right. Um, but with, with Halloween, it's like if when you kill off Laurie Strode, you have nowhere else to go. And this movie has nowhere to go.
0: <laughs> Except into the waiting arms of Buster Rhymes.
1: And the whole like Dangertainment whole thing with Tyra Banks. So (laughs) so they're gonna do a live stream reality show in Michael Myers original home. And they're gonna try and figure out, you know, what really, you know, made Michael Myers evil. And Busta's planted some like fake stuff to make it seem creepier, but then Michael returns. And then you find out there's like catacombs beneath the Myers home um, (laughs) where he he always hides out, I guess. It's terrible. There's nothing good happens. It is not entertaining. It's not even so bad. It's good. It's just it's just bad. Yeah. Um. Ka- yeah. Katie Sackhoff is in this, and she's terrible.
0: She, um. I don't think there is a great performance in this. Besides, no. I mean,
1: not Michael. even Michael.
0: It, not even Michael.
1: Like he sucks too. He tried
0: his best. He tried his when best when he gets when he
1: gets electrocuted. <laughs> And he goes like this, uh. like, <laughs> bad. Bad. <laughs> like that, bad, like that. It's like, no, 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 thank you.
0: Unequivocally the worst in the franchise. I'm glad we agreed on that. I was because yeah. um, it's, it's just bad. And it's it was the eighth film in mm-hmm. the franchise. And at this point, like, I absolutely understand why um, why Jamie Lee Curtis was like, yeah, I'm done with this, especially yeah. after like. And we'll again we'll talk about H2O later, but like after the catharsis you kind of get at the end of that film, yeah. um, it was to walk it back felt really not scummy, but also but almost almost scummy in a way that it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's just what are we doing here at this yeah. point?
1: And the really all the really bad, grainy, low lo-fi digital camera work that shows <laughs> like the pe- the people's perspectives are like why is this in here? Like you didn't have to do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we are. It's it's yeah. it's it's just bad all around. Bad scripting. Bad performances. Um, kills Laurie off in the beginning moments of the film. It's just it's not good. It's not good. No.
1: And so, it's no wonder why they rebooted like right after this. Right after this.
0: <laughs> so, like, ugh. at number ten, what do you
1: have, Sir Matt? My my number 10 is halloween 6
0: the curse of michael myers interesting okay okay Uh so this is we're already disagreeing here so i have at number 10 halloween 2 from 2009
1: oh so the remake 2 okay yes
0: the remake 2 so we'll we'll be we'll be hot back to those shortly but maybe maybe who knows halloween 2 might be matt's favorite We never know. And which two? There's (laughs) been three twos. Oh, Lord, there has. Um, (laughs) So what is your number nine?
1: My number nine is the Halloween remake by Rob Zombie from 2007.
0: Interesting. Okay. My number nine is uh, Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers. Revenge
1: of Michael Myers. Ah, yes. That's when he gets his revenge.
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) the Revenge of Michael Myers. Of course. (laughs) So what is your number eight?
1: My number eight is Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about some Revenge of Michael Myers. So,
1: What's to talk about? This movie is boring (laughs) as (laughs) sin. It's nothing. (laughs) So this movie came out one year after Halloween 4. And so I think we're already talking about, again, squandering the good graces that you've built up. Absolutely. Right.
0: This came out on October 13th, 1989, directed by Dominique Othenin-Gerard with a script by Michael Jacobs, Dominique Othenin-Gerard, and Shem Bitterman, and produced by Ramsey Thomas. Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's bad. It's bad.
1: It's sort of like, to me, it, it's, it's higher up on all, both of our lists, but like Resurrection, it's like, there's nothing going on here. Yeah. Like, it's not incompetently made which mm-hmm. i think some of my like really low ranking ones are um but i mean i think the, <laughs> i think the bottom half of our lists are just generally like these are bad movies yeah you know um so what's to even say about this movie um it came out a year afterward because halloween tour was such a big success um be- with the return of michael myers that they wanted to be like let's get out another one like immediately they had a few ideas and we'll talk about it but the end of four has this interesting hook Mm -hmm. right and five goes no 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 (laughs) forget that it's back to just michael michael's back gotta be mike and and he um at the end of four he falls down this this giant this giant mine shaft but then at the beginning of five they decide that they also throw in dynamite in there but it blows up part of the mine shaft and he goes into the river And he just hangs out in a a coma in a homeless guy's home, Riverside Shack for a year, wakes up on Halloween, decides to start killing again. Or Halloween, October 30th, I guess. And you know, um, Jamie Lloyd is back. I think that Jamie Lloyd, at least in the first one, and someone in this one is a really good character. I really Mm -hmm. like her. Agreed. Daniel Daniel Harris is great in both of her times in the Halloween franchise. Right. Both of her her separate roles, she's great. and then, uh, it's just a lot of Michael you know, killing people. He kills off uh, Tina, unfortunately, returning from four, who's like yeah. an actually like really good character in that. and she gets she gets often like the first act, like really unceremoniously. <sighs> and so you end up losing like most of your like people that you're interested in. Loomis is back. Loomis is always back. I mean, Pleasance Donald Pleasance as Samuel Loomis obviously is kind of like a mini horror icon in his own right. Absolutely, as much
0: as Tommy Jarvis.
1: Yeah, like he's that. He's he's like you could put a it, hero. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, I mean now Laurie is obviously having more and more movies, but after two, it's it's Loomis until six, um, mm. and so uh and apparently he's going to be in a flashback in halloween Kills. Ooh. even though pleasance is gone they did a digital recreation there's going to be some sort of flashback to what happened right after the original halloween
0: oh um, that would be interesting
1: which is what was supposed to happen in one of the earlier drafts for the halloween 2018 actually
0: very cool
1: so they were going to open with what happened immediately after um but love that we'll back in that um and so he does chew the scenery a lot in this movie, and he is totally insane in this movie. <laughs> he's like, is yes. using Jamie as bait. Um, he has like a heart attack when he's beating Michael, like at the end, and <laughs> you're like, oh, is he dead? He's not dead, obviously, because he comes back. Um, this introduces the Man in Black. Oof, the Man in Which, Black.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Um, it also. Uh, has the first look at the rune of thorn Mm -hmm. you know that's also in six so they set up these small little things that they didn't know what they were going to do with obviously but i don't know this is such like it's basically just halloween four again but like dumb right like real dumb
0: yeah that's i could not agree more like the thing that i got watching this because i watched this right after watching four this last time around was like, I just watched this movie and this isn't like anywhere near as good as the one I just watched. It doesn't make any sense. Loomis, like you said, is just not, he doesn't have any of the qualities that we liked in the character, like at the outset of this franchise. And they squandered the coolest cliffhanger from the last movie. (laughs) The, The thing that could just absolutely continue the franchise on and evolve it. Yeah. They're like, no, it's gotta be Michael. It's gotta be Michael, man. We gotta keep Michael. And at the end (laughs) of it, it's just like, what what did we You could go literally from four to six and it's just treading water. It's yeah. And and that's the thing that bothers me the most about is that it just doesn't do anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And no it's pretty boring also. Like there's a really extent like the final act is basically just Michael chasing Jamie, and you know she's yeah. in like the basement at one point. She's climbing up, like it just goes on forever. And you're like, this is not tense. You know, there's nothing going on here. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not good.
0: So, what what number re- was that for you? What was five? To for recap, you? that that was uh, that was nine. So that was I, my I, nine, but it was your. I had it, it ranked at nine. Oh, okay, one, two, three, four, five,
1: six, seven, eight. Oh, it was my eight.
0: Okay, what was yes. your nine? Halloween remake. Okay, got it. So then, what is what is so your eight is Halloween five. Yeah, got it. So, so we would go your eight. Yes, my eight is Halloween six, Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> this one is so bad,
1: also, <laughs> but in a totally different way.
0: Totally different way. So we will get to it. What is your number seven?
1: Hold on, but I already already uh, said six.
0: That's right, you did. So we
1: got to talk about
0: okay let's let's talk curse about some of, curse, curse of michael myers
1: because my, it was my uh 10. that's right lower so
0: the way that i can justify having six above five <laughs> is that six actually does stuff right like you you further the cult of thorn you get this you know now an adult jamie and i mean they don't do good stuff with jamie but like but she's there and she's an adult and she does stuff so like there is you're you're slowly eking the story forward um you got paul rudd you got paul rudd you can't you can never discount the quality of a film with paul rudd you have to raise it (laughs) for me you have to raise it at least one notch if you if you've got paul rudd in there
1: I did. I did raise it one much because of Colorado. But um, it's crazy. This movie came out in 1995. Yeah. Like, this does not feel like a 1995 movie at all.
0: Not at all. This is
1: right before Scream. Yeah. Like, yeah. that, and that changes the game completely. And Absolutely H2O does. is like, is like just a few years later. Yeah. And it is. Worlds apart in terms of just style and tone. It's quality. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, I know there was a ton of behind the scenes trouble with Curse of Michael Myers. Right. So um I, the the Weinsteins were involved. Obviously, they suck, but they Obviously. were like constantly battling behind the scenes. There's there's a scene. What was when was did you rewatch this recently? This one, no, I didn't get the chance to rewatch recently. Okay, I rewatched this recently, but <laughs> before you even asked me on, I was like, "Let's rewatch Halloween's," and because uh, I got
0: this is why you get a Matt Draper on to talk I about really this
1: stuff. Love how I use my time. Um, there's this scene, so the Cult of Thorn all has these black robes on, right, <laughs> right, and then there's this scene where they just take them off, and the the lead guy who's the man in black goes, "It's Halloween's over. Take off, take off your your robes." It's because um Harvey Weinstein was was behind the scenes going, take off the effing robes, they look terrible, and then he just they're like <laughs> okay, just take them off. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, they did, and then there's a there's two um versions of this movie. Mm-hmm. There's like a director's cut or work print cut, uh, which has like 45 minutes of alternative footage mm-hmm. and a different ending, and then there's like the theatrical cut, and there's like I think there's another cut also. The endings are different for, for them also. But um, what happened was that um, they shot the movie, they finished, and then Donald Pleasance passed away. And then they needed to do all these reshoots. Pleasance was gone, mm-hmm. so all these there's all these reshoots using some of Pleasance's footage and then completely new footage of other people talking to him. They like restructure the scenes, and that's why the end of Chris and Michael Myers is so
0: stupid. Yeah.
1: Can you just do you remember the end? Do you remember the end?
0: P- please, please remind me.
1: So the, the end of the theatrical version is that um, uh, Tommy beats Michael to a pulp with a lead
0: pipe. <laughs> right. We, sh- we should preface as well that there is something that I do like about this is that we do call back to Tommy Doyle, who was the kid that Laurie was babysitting. Yes. In the original. I I like continuity and shit like that. But yeah, please, yeah. please go on.
1: Which is he's also going to be in Halloween Kills. Mm hmm. But played by Anthony Michael Hall, and as a very different character. Um, they're doing a lot of that apparently in the new movie. But I'm I'm sad he, that they're not bringing Paul Rudd back because he probably because he
0: looks the same. He looks the same.
1: And like, <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "What's this like thirty five year old like?" <laughs> <laughs> um, he beats him to a pulp with a lead pipe, and there's like green blood from Michael, and there's oh. also all these like little like Michael embryos also that are being grown by oh, the. Oh, that's right. Because they use this curse to control him to be evil. And he beats them. They leave with Jamie Lloyd's baby, who might actually be also Michael's baby. It's terrible. He murders her. She's a teenager. There's all this sort of implied incest and all that. I don't want to get into it because it's gross. And they do that character so dirty. Like, terrible, terrible end for the Jamie Lloyd character. Um, And then uh, they leave. And then Loomis goes, I have unfinished business. Uh, I have to say goodbye, and and he leaves. They drive off. Exterior of of the uh, the place that they're in. You hear Loomis scream. You cut in. Michael's mask is on the ground, and a knife is on the ground, and that's the end.
0: That's oh, the end of the movie. Oh my god! That's right. Oh. <laughs> but Lord. the
1: original ending was that um, Tommy figures out that. If you make these runes on the ground around Michael, you'll like freeze him. Mm-hmm. So he's like learn more about the cult of Thorn. It's still stupid. He puts Absolutely. these runes around him, freezes Michael in place, stops him, beats him that way. Um, they leave. Loomis is still there. He ends up. I think he ends up killing the Man in Black. But in the last moments, Man in Black grabs him and says like It's your curse now, or something like that. And the Rune of Thorn shows up on, on uh loomis's arm to make him the now the guardian of michael he looks at his arm and he screams and that's the end of the movie
0: see that's so much better why wasn't that
1: it's not great but it's more coherent
0: (laughs) right well and that's something that i mean i maybe just from what i remember of it but i remember like the whole cult of thorn the idea of the runes I thought was dumb but i liked how it was doing something that we hadn't seen before in the franchise mm-hmm. um it something that you will see a lot is with the horror genre after a certain point they're like let's just circle back and do what we did in the first one and yeah. so that ends up either being really great or really bad and i did like the fact that they kind of moved the timeline forward, they move the story forward, bringing in Tommy Doyle, like, you know, having a sense of continuity and a sense of story and a sense of progression, I enjoyed. Yeah. That being said, still a bad movie.
1: Oh, yes. It's still just, a bad movie. One of my favorite things about it is that, um, like, over in, like, the neighborhood where Tommy is and, and all of them, like, it's thunder and lightning, and it's like the world is ending from a storm, and they'll cut across town, to uh, the the ha- Halloween party going on there, and like it's a, it's a nice pleasant summer night,
0: <laughs> uh, uh,
1: stuff like that. Where it's like nothing makes sense. It's like I guess we got to have a lot of mood and we'll just strobing lights. There's a lot of strobing lights in this movie, and a lot of stuff just happens for no reason. And uh, yeah, Oof.
0: but yeah. Oh, by the way, um September twenty ninth, nineteen ninety five is when this was released. Uh, directed by Joe Chappelle and. Uh, with a screenplay by daniel ferrans um yeah this the, the movie is like i said just increment at least for me incrementally better than <laughs> halloween five um obviously matt disagrees but oh uh, they all um, suck they, they're they're bad they're both bad <laughs> they're just bad so we are to number seven then
1: uh let's see one two three four five six seven that w- so five was my eight yes and did you say your eight?
0: Yes. My eight was the was six. So okay, my eight yes, was okay, Curse of yeah, Michael. There you Myers. go.
1: Okay. And my eight was five. Okay, Perfect. that's why we talked about that. We're so crushing it. Seven. So we're seven. So
0: we're yeah, at seven. seven. So what is your number seven?
1: My number seven is Halloween two, the original Halloween two.
0: Really? Yeah. That is interesting. We're we're gonna have to dive into that because that is a surprisingly low placement for that film.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's stupid.
0: <laughs> uh my I seven whole, i
1: made a whole ass video about it people got real mad at me about saying it's <laughs> stupid
0: <laughs> it's still a wonderful video just to let you know um my number seven is actually uh, halloween four return of michael myers you're
1: crazy
0: i <laughs> you're crazy <laughs> that's how i feel about your pick that is the, that is the seven we're just gonna have to disagree on all right
1: um all right.
0: so what is number six for you
1: My number six is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2.
0: All right. So that was my number 10. So let's dive into it. Yes. I am really surprised you have this as high as it is.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, I am too. I rewatched it recently and actually thought it was pretty solid. Um, It is like the original zombie remake, a deeply unpleasant movie. Absolutely it is. Yeah. But I think it really knows what it's doing. So tell mm. me about why you don't like it.
0: So real quick, Halloween 2 released on August 28th, 2009, directed by Rob Zombie with a screenplay by Rob Zombie. Robert, and,
1: Robert Zombie.
0: Sorry, sorry, Robert Zombie. He's a businessman now um, <laughs> and uh, produced by Malika Cod, uh, Andy Gold and Robert Zombie. Um, Halloween 2. So like i said before uh halloween one uh the 2007 version was my first introduction to the halloween franchise and i kind of thought in you know viewing that that that's kind of how all of them would go Mm -hmm. you know the amount of brutality the ridiculous amount of nudity in that as well (laughs) um just it's very violent and yeah. at certain points unnecessarily so especially when you stack it up against other films we're not talking about this one yet but <laughs> halloween 2 is all of that but worse for me <laughs> um they kind of double down on the ridiculous violence that i just like you don't the thing that kind of sets um michael myers apart for me you know apart from characters like Freddy, apart from characters like jason is the unsettling um atmosphere of him Mm -hmm. like jason is terrifying just as a character as a force when you see him it's just like it's pure terror when you see the like the faceless uh or expressionless face of the mask that michael wears it's unsettling you get this sense of tension that he could be anywhere, he could be anyone, and it makes you, you know, to borrow a popular Halloween and horror term, it makes you afraid of the dark. Like, it's Mm -hmm. because he could be there. And it's the whole idea behind him being called The Shape. And with this, again, I think it feeds into uh, Mr. Roberts' worst impulses, (laughs) and <laughs> that he really kind of delights in the gore and the intense violence. Also, I. I don't like Lori. I don't like the Lori's also crazy twist. That's fair. Um, I, I just I recognize that it's it is, you know, to talk about my earlier point, like I recognize that it's, you know, new and that it hadn't been done before. But I feel like it kind of goes against the character, at least not just the one that had been played by Jamie Lee Curtis, but the one that we more or less set up in that first movie to be, you know, Oh, she is also now seeing hallucinations of her mom. And now she is the crazy one. And then there's a horse. And I just, by the end of that, I was like, I am, this is so off the rails. I'm over this. (laughs) Tell me why you like it so much.
1: I just kind of, I kind of dug that change. Like, There's so many of these movies are doing the exact same thing. And this is so different because even the remake is basically doing the same thing. But in my opinion, like a lot worse, just like, we'll talk about that. But um, I appreciated how different this movie was, Mm -hmm. how off the wall. A lot of it was with its, um, with its imagery, you know, with Laurie's hallucinations were so like wild and insane and I just kind of took it as on its own thing. If this movie wasn't named Halloween, like and if it was just kind of doing its own thing with its own original character, I think it might be um thought of a little bit better. I yeah. think. But that's fair. The problem that I have with the original, with with the remake, the first remake, is that it does revel in in all that violence and it's not really saying anything. Yes. And this one is really talking about the aftermath of all that trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that this movie could have even had Michael dead and just dealing with Lori, just yeah. in whether she was gonna turn or not. And maybe she would and kill people too. And you didn't have to have Michael at all. Like the best parts of this movie have no Michael in it. I um, totally agree. And are just and I know that Loomis is completely different. Like Malcolm McDowell's Loomis is such a scumbag. Yeah, he's um, he's the worst. He's the worst. He does yeah. nothing, and then he goes in and gets killed. Like, yep. that's it. Like he doesn't, like he doesn't have any insight. He doesn't have any any special thing about him. He just gets killed. In both versions, uh, yeah. there's the the like we'll talk about the the directors. Their theatrical cut has Laurie stabbing Michael at the very end in the shack. Mm-hmm. Putting on his mask, and then being committed. And she sees, you know, her mom with the white horse at right. the. End. The director's cut um, has uh, Michael like burst out of the shack with uh, Loomis, stab him out in the open, and then he's blown away by the cops. Mm-hmm. And then Lori comes out, grabs his knife, and is about to stab Loomis herself. And then she gets shot a couple times, even though Brackett's telling them not to shoot her. And it looks like she's dead also. And she in her dying moments she sees the white horse also. And those are the differences. Uh slightly different takes on, on what it all means, but I think it's they're both interesting. I just gotta say that Brad Dorf, as Brackett,
0: <laughs> he is so good. Brad Dorf is a is an underrated actor. He is
1: just he's the goat of like <laughs> of horror character actors. Mm-hmm. Like I know he's Chucky. He's, he does a great voice as Chucky. Obviously Absolutely. You know, a lot of people would know him as Wormwood, uh, or we uh, warm tongue yeah. in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Oh, he's so good in exorcist three. Um, if I'll you've take ever your seen your word exorcist for it, III, I haven't. Oh, it's such a good movie. Um, don't watch exorcist two, just watch exorcist one and three. And I kind <laughs> of have a, I kind of have a soft spot for exorcist three. Actually. I think it's my favorite. Of, of the franchise and he plays um this um it's i don't want to spoil it but he's a killer in yeah it, in for the sure itself and he is amazing and he is so good in this as playing the opposite of what you normally associate him as and he's good in the first remake also but mm-hmm. he is he is on such another level in this movie yeah um as this loving compassionate father who's also really torn apart and the things that happen in this movie break him apart further and you, your heart breaks for him he is so good and it's like Rob Zombie saw that in Dorif and was like, go there. And they did. And he gave him the space to do it. And like, that that's the kind of stuff that I really like about this movie.
0: That's and fair. it is
1: very unpleasant in a lot of points. And there is too much nudity and there's too much. <laughs> and the murders take too long, just like the last ones. Yeah. And there's some very mean spirited stuff like uh, Annie's death in this. As yeah. As
0: well. Unnecessary. Yeah. Unnecessary.
1: Very, very rough, even though they cut away and he doesn't show it. He doesn't actually show the scene, but you see the aftermath. But the one little
0: bit of restraint that he has. Yeah,
1: he doesn't really have a lot of restraint as a director. No, but I just the the whole ideas of the lingering trauma from the first one and dealing with that, even though it goes overboard in some places, and maybe I I don't really like Laurie all that much. It's just interesting, and it just there is a ton of interesting, um, really complex stuff happening in parts of this movie. That you do not get in almost every other Halloween movie. That's fair. And that's, that's why I like it a lot. But also, you know, you can hate it too, and that's all right. That's,
0: yeah. And, and you are absolutely willing to let. I will say um, he gets a lot of flack, but I actually really like Tyler Main as Myers. I think his physicality is really great.
1: Yes. And he's a very different Myers. He's. he's absolutely, he is. He's a beast. He's. Yeah, you know, he's this hulking,
0: like it's terrifying he has that jason energy yes that i was talking about earlier he's angry mm -hmm. which can can. be really um engaging in Mm -hmm. these stories but he has
1: he has his mask off a ton the mask is all falling apart but he's also often unmasked and there's this whole thing of him putting it on when he decides to become you know the shape Mm -hmm. at times because there's a lot of that playing playing around the first one totally different because normal michael is you know, static, just static, yeah. just no, he has no thought. He just moves. It's, like,
0: it's dead man undertaker versus American badass undertaker. It's basically
1: just... that's a good, that's a, well, like <laughs> the original Halloween, um, the actor that played uh, Michael, um, you know, he asked like John Carpenter of like, what's like, what's my motivation in the scene? And Carpenter said, you have no motivation. You're moving from this point to this point, And that's it. That was his whole direction mm. for him. Like no motivation, no thoughts, you know, nothing going on. You're just boom, A to B. That's all you're doing. And, th- and that's the total opposite for uh, zombies
0: uh, Myers. Right. But it works so well. And we'll get into uh, the original as well. Because um, neither of us put in our top five, obviously, but uh <laughs> yeah it's i will say you you can't talk me into liking this but <laughs> that's all right <laughs> um, but no i will i will definitely concede that there are definitely things to like about it
1: this, so that was my number six
0: awesome my number six was the first halloween uh rob zombie remake oh, okay from, you
1: scared me first <laughs> <laughs> i
0: i seeded it in enough that it really i faked him out for two seconds um But yeah, so Halloween from 2007, because this was earlier in your list as well, correct? Yeah, this was
1: my number nine.
0: Gotcha. So Halloween was released. Okay, so yeah, August 31st, 2007, all the same credits as before. Talk to me about why it ranks so low for you. Again, it's a deeply unpleasant movie full of miserable, miserable
1: people that you don't like. <laughs> no, no one is likable except for Danny Trejo, and you know he but, but is yeah, horribly he's murdered. murdered. He's horribly murdered uh, in this movie, and I don't like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fair. <laughs> uh, when it's like, like, oh, the Mexican representation. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> like, the the murders go on for so long yeah. in this movie everyone's screaming and crying and and getting sliced apart for like like five minutes per 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 kill and it's like okay and it's just like i feel like zombie like revels in that so much like there's like i know that a lot of horror directors like they enjoy the chance to put on a good kill and that's part of the appeal of slashers right right interesting idea behind slashers of this, you know, this violence that you see and, and, and enjoying it somehow in these movies. But there's a horror director that goes, let's make a really inventive kill using some interesting special effects. So when you see it, you go, wow, how'd they do that? Versus mm-hmm. this, which is just, I'm just gonna slam you and bludgeon you and I'm gonna stab you over and over and over. I'm gonna just paint the walls with your blood. And it's just <laughs> like, it's so unpleasant. And it's like, I don't like, I'm like, it, it, it makes you want to take a shower. It really yeah. makes me want to take a shower for many reasons so with that and i just didn't feel like there was a lot going on and when zombie first pitched this movie i guess he pitched two movies which was one would be about young michael mm-hmm. and the other would be more of a traditional remake of the original and said, instead they said just make it one so you get this like 50 50 split oh interesting and i just don't think that quite works it makes yeah. michael the main character of the movie right Like Mm -hmm. he is is your main character because Laurie is only in half the movie and Loomis is in like two thirds of the movie. So, and it's Michael that you follow, but he loses all his personality as he goes on. And then the the remake of the original Halloween is so rushed and it's just like, well, and again, we'll talk about the original Halloween, but I know that that was so controversial for its time, Mm -hmm. you know, when it came out. But then when you look at it, when you look at the original Halloween in the context of all these movies and especially the remake, you're like, that movie's so classy. Yeah. Like it's so classy in like what it's doing. And this is just just filth-covered, you know, hellbilly, uh, you know, madness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you so Tell me why you wrong.
1: Tell me why you love it so much. <laughs> you dang ass freak, tell me why you like this movie.
0: <laughs> love is a very strong word. Um I will say that it's probably a certain amount of it is my bias for it being my first halloween movie um this is how i was introduced to the character this is how i was introduced to the franchise and looking back and watching the original after having seen this night and day it's not even close but (laughs) like and all the things that we talked about before with the previous entry as well as this one um there is a lot of unpleasantness it is tough to watch at times uh this last time because I, I re-watched this one for mm-hmm. for this and i had to pause it at a couple more points where i'm like i just need to go walk around and just <laughs> go outside touch some grass for a little bit but like it's The thing that I appreciate that it does is, like you already mentioned, it does make Michael the main character, Mm -hmm. which is something that, you know, when you take into account all the previous films, hadn't been done before, essentially. He had been this unstoppable force that you find in every single movie is just like, all right, you better get attached to these characters before Michael kills them all off. And this one really told the story of michael as sloppily as it did um (laughs) i like the furthering of his backstory i do like seeing how he develops and i do think that it is a breath of fresh air when you get that tyler main physicality with him Mm -hmm. like i i absolutely agree you could cut down half of the runtime on this by just shortening up the kills yeah but like it, you know, Mr. Robert Zombie, you know, does his best to really illustrate to the audience that this guy is a force of nature and that he cannot be stopped no matter how you try to. Mm-hmm. And I do think that I'm not a huge fan of the uh, of the change to Loomis because he's a, he's a character you root for, you know, flaws and all. And in this, you know, in this one and the next one, I mean. Malcolm McDowell does a wonderful job playing absolutely two-bit shits and like <laughs> he is really engaging about how much you just actually want Michael to get him. Yeah. And yeah. I I do like, you know, the callbacks cuz again, I I wasn't aware of the previous one when I first saw this. I thought the you know, the s the elements of the remake from the first film are absolutely rushed. Mm -hmm. It really does kind of go from bullet point to bullet point to bullet point from when you watch, you know, the first one into this. But I think when it does come together, when it's at the end, when it's hitting that climax of it's Laurie and it's Michael, they're in the house. One of them is not walking out of here. It really is just as engaging as the franchise gets. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we finally get into that payoff there. um,
1: uh, Another critique I had of the movie is that um, we haven't talked about scores at all. And I think the scores are very important to a lot of these, but maybe not so much the the ones we've talked about so far, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, the original John Carpenter score is used a lot in the remake and it just doesn't work. Like it doesn't fit. Like it's a totally different animal than what then they're really just I know that's not technically the same tracks, but it's um, just a straight repurposing of it uh, by um, who did the score. It's uh Tyler Bates. Uh, yeah. Who, not that one. Uh, <laughs> wait, which one is what is this? A
0: Norman Bates reference. I, I, I was going for a double whammy of Norman Bates and Tyler Bates. <laughs> Tyler Bates being the,
1: the, he also did the music for guardians of the galaxy. Yes. And suicide squad. Uh, so he's a great composer, but uh, the, Su- the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Not Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> but just using the same John Carpenter themes over, just it doesn't work with this movie.
0: Well, you mentioned before that, you know, comparing the two, the vibe of the original is just it's a classier film. And I think that's a that's a wonderfully weird way, and accurate way to describe it, is that it's very much like high society versus low society. When you look at these <laughs> films where the almost melancholy of the first film's score doesn't really track with yeah. the high action of this one. Yeah. So totally agree. This a score oftentimes really makes a movie and makes a viewing experience.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that they brought it back for this. one. I'm sure there's some sort of mandate. You know, but we gotta, you we gotta use the original score, because um, I don't think that six used the original score. I'm uh, they used it they did its own uh, thing. I, I think. so. Might have used a few cues, but nothing really. So, it's not like they hadn't you know tossed it out before, but it just didn't work for this. So those right. are sixes, right? Yes. Remake and remake two.
0: Yeah. So I think we're all squared up, and most of the most of what we're gonna find in the top five is going to be fairly similar, just placed differently. What is your number five?
1: Uh, my number five is Halloween H2O 20 years later.
0: Mine as well. Okay. Nice. We finally, we made it back. We made it from number 11 to number five. All it was six spaces <laughs> for us to agree on something. Um, Halloween H2O 20 years later uh, was released. Let me see here it was released on august 5th 1998 a lot of august releases um, yeah weird right very strange uh, august 5th 1998 was directed by steve Miner. Put your
1: halloween the... movie out in halloween <laughs> they finally no, it's figured too early out. It's,
0: it's what they'd they, all expect
1: they finally figured out with the last few
0: <laughs> you gotta swerve them um it was uh had a screenplay by robert zapia and matt greenberg and was produced by paul freeman um Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Tell me about it.
1: This movie is like 50 minutes long. It's like a long walk in the park yeah. right, with, with the killer. And uh, the, this movie doesn't do anything wrong, but it doesn't do much anything right. Like totally right. Absolutely. And a boring, right? Uh,
0: for for a solid like <laughs> third of it. It's like, oh man, where's like Michael? Half, what are half. we doing? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think there's some interesting ideas, you know, obviously they bring back Lori and Jamie Lee Curtis was interested in coming back, like closing out the story. Yeah. Um, and there's some good ideas, you know, this, unlike uh, the 2018 movie Halloween two is part of the canon of H2O. So mm-hmm. Michael is her brother. So that yeah. really does play into uh, a lot of, of what's going on here. This whole secret family history that she's keeping from her current family Um, From her son, from uh, her—I don't think they're married yet. It's her. It's her. You know.
0: No, I think it's her partner right
1: now. Yeah. Um, She's you know living under a different name uh, and trying to escape the past. Uh, And so you know, there's there's a lot of that going on. She's like an alcoholic and dealing with all this sort of repressed trauma. And
0: -hmm. then of
1: course Michael eventually comes back and finds her, and uh, then they they fight for about five minutes. (laughs) They sure do. And that's the whole that they really sold this movie on the last third of the movie because mm-hmm. before that we're just hanging around waiting for Michael. <laughs> where is he? Where is he?
0: Well, and what I, what I do like is that this, unlike a lot of the other films, it does really kind of get into the, the trauma and the mm-hmm. PTSD that Lori has suffered. And that's what I like about this alongside um, the 2018 film, which we'll get to uh, really, for me is such a fascinating topic that isn't talked about enough. Like what happens, you know, years and decades down the line when you survive an attack from a serial killer. Yeah. Like, and I love the idea that that really lends itself into this cathartic feeling at the end when she finally lops his head off Yes. And it's really like, God, she's, she's getting justice. Essentially. Also, we're getting stellar performances by LL Cool J and Josh Hartnett as well as uh, Josh little...
1: Hartnett's first like real role too. We and terrible it's haircut.
0: arguably his best. So uh, <laughs> we, got... <laughs> we also get, no, there's no hate for Josh Hartnett, um, <laughs> but we do also get a fun little uh, moment where Joseph Gordon Levitt shows up for a cup of coffee and then he gets a skate in the
1: face, right?
0: Sure does. <laughs> that poor boy. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that. This was treated as a return to the franchise. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, all right, we're continuing the story where we left off. It's like these people are trying to move on with their lives. And unfortunately, they're not going to be able to. Now, I will agree i think it's closer to a third but i will concede that it's probably more like half of the film is boring as hell (laughs) um but once michael does show up it it does become a show once again it brings back that familiar feeling that you get from the older films
1: yes it's the 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 tension is definitely more in line with the original halloween than than most other stuff and uh You're saying this was directed by Steve Miner, who directed, which Friday the 13th? He directed uh, part three and part two. So he's got some already. He's got some cred. Some cred in in the slasher genre, but uh, this definitely plays more Halloween than Friday the 13th. Um, Yeah, you know, the the end of the movie is really the big selling point and is really what everyone remembers. Uh, Mm -hmm. The final showdown and then especially, I think it's interesting that, you know, this version of Lori, she's scared. Yes. You know, she is n- unlike new Lori, um, H40 Lori, uh, she <laughs> is um, scared of Michael coming back. She's hidden herself away. She's tried to, you know, repress all that stuff. And so the movie is her, you know, finally, you know, facing up and and taking control, right? Yeah. That's like the big, the big turn. I mean, again, the whole movie was sold on that one shot. It is a really good sequence where michael's coming after her son and her son's yes. girlfriend they you know they lock the gate but they can't get in the house and michael is puts his arms through the gate just, and oh. uh, waving that that knife around right in front of them yeah gets the keys is about to come in after them she gets them in shuts the door and like sees him through the window of the door and there's that finally like fa- oh they're finally face to face Right. that's the big selling point it's just that, that happens you know 65 minutes into the movie you know of an 86 minute movie Uh, and so that and they showed that in every trailer every single trailer like i didn't watch this movie until years after it came out because i was too young for it when it came out but even i remembered that that shot that was everywhere you know um also this uh is a really clumsily titled movie (laughs) yes (laughs) they 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 put this acronym and then they have to explain the acronym in, in the title you know like, okay, okay. Um, also, I think what's important here is that this is post-Scream. Yes. This is a post-Scream movie. It is written by Kevin Williamson. Um, he, did the, he did a treatment for it. So Robert Zappia wrote the treatment, and then Kevin Williamson rewrote Zappia's screenplay for the movie, even, like, at mm-hmm. the very start of production. So it's very much a Kevin Williamson thing. Um, it feels a lot more Screamish. and scream obviously as is very indebted to halloween so you get the sort of snake eating its own tail here a bit but um it again we're talking about curse of michael myers was three years earlier but it's a totally just a different generation yeah
0: um it feels like it's almost like these two movies are in different franchises yeah, With the, yeah just the quality difference the treatment of it just the cinematography in general like this feels like a late 90s to early 2000s film where he's the previous one felt like maybe early 1991 just like yeah. from a quality standpoint but yeah i think there's there's a lot to like about this even though it is you know just enough time for you to uh to take a drive
1: Um, but that drive at the end is great, you know, when she puts him in that uh when he's in the ambulance, she's like, Nope, he's not dead. Grabs it, crashes it, crashes into him, and then great, great end, great end. He's pinned, reaching his hand out. This is her brother. She's reaching her hand out, thinks second thought, pulls it away, and then whacks his head off with just the axe. Oh, perfect. Head rolls, and Credits, cue Creed. We're out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, and that almost shot it up to the number one spot because you got some Creed playing. Like, oh yeah, it's 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 almost it. I would dare to say it's got the best soundtrack out of all of the uh, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even say I couldn't even say it.
1: I am a fan of some horror end credits fart
0: rock yes you
1: know and this, Absolutely this, is, agree. this is some horror end credits fart rock where at then you're like was that a good movie i don't know but i'm jamming out to these tunes I'm right jamming now, right you know? now yeah. <laughs> i'm totally gonna listen to what's <laughs> this life for by creed after we uh, we, we end this recording i'm, gonna I'm just alive. gonna
0: i'm just gonna put it at the end of this episode that's oh, gonna be please. my outro music
1: intro halloween outro creed what's this life <laughs> yes please have so, me back on. So have me back on to talk about Spider Man. So we can just do we can riff for sixty minutes on "Hero" by Chad Kroger featuring Josie
0: Wales of saliva. And they say that a hero. Oh my god! <laughs> that that's what the episode's going to be about. Is just us talking about music theory and in late nineties and early two thousands. Just so. trying
1: to figure out what that song's actually about, man. Like
0: <laughs> it's a, about a he's not going to stand there and wait, man. <laughs> that's
1: <just> Let's <laughs> well, not in. save save the gold you know sorry
0: sorry so uh number four what is your number four
1: so yes h20 was my it was both of our fives yes correct so my number four is halloween four
0: interesting yeah because you got it
1: down at yes
0: what, eight? i i had it as number seven Cretan. so let's discuss why you're wrong um <laughs> all right go for it
1: it can't it has to be more than just the mask okay look past the mask
0: as I mean mask. it's a bad mask dude like yeah. <laughs> it's not good man and it's it's tough to because when you when you look at some icons in the horror franchise jason i think is the worst uh example of it where it's like his appearance basically changes every single chapter yeah there's something comforting and also something very terrifying about how unchanging and unmovable Michael Myers seems. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. remember watching this, going back and watching this, and it legit kind of took me out of it. Of, of course, yeah. once you get into the film, like you settle into it, but it's not a good mask, man. I don't <laughs> no, know what to tell you. All. I Is- will say again too
1: plain it's so like it's it's weird to say about it yeah everything everything has been removed
0: it's too pretty looking it's too clean and which is weird to say about michael myers in this film especially but like (laughs) one thing that we mentioned it earlier that i do absolutely love is that cliffhanger is the ending of the film jamie just absolutely going ape shit in this like like a clown costume mm-hmm. like so good so good
1: yeah. great great end to that you know they recreate the opening of the original with the end through the eyes yeah that last shot of her with the knife and the knife for the doorway and, uh, pleasance yeah. pleasance is, is chewing the scenery No, no! no! <laughs> trying to shoot her <laughs> um like great end, and obviously they're just like no never mind she is just um she just can't talk anymore yeah, she just um, had
0: yeah. a little bit of a moment.
1: Yeah, and then she can't talk for half of five, and suddenly can talk again. But whatever, we're not talking about five anymore. <laughs> uh, but I think that four is like a just a solid return to the franchise. You know, after mm-hmm. getting away from it for a while, it feels much more in line with one, but with a more updated sort of late '80s sort of style to it. I really like Jamie. Um, I generally like the the tension. Of this sort of potential, like psychic connection that she has with mm-hmm. Michael, that is way too played up in part five. We right. don't want really to talk about it, but there's this huge psychic connection between them, where she's seeing yeah. everything he does. But then, there, you know, with this one, it's sort of like, oh, well, she's kind of sensing, you know, what's going on with him as these nightmares. Uh, the nightmares are really cool. You know, when he's mm-hmm. like, he sits up like the Undertaker by the side of her bed, Undertaker or maybe set? the Undertaker sits up like Jason. Obviously, that's where he got it from. Let's face it. <laughs> Uh, i know we, I, I know your uh, your secrets mark uh mark <laughs> <laughs> and um so the i just i enjoy it it's uh, to me it is um more of a comfort watch you know if these movies have Fair. comfort watches this is much more of a comfort watch than everything below this movie except for maybe <laughs> how, except for maybe h2o which is if, if i if i need a nap I was going to put that one on, you know,
0: (laughs) I was going to say, if you, if you want to put a nap, you know, get a quick nap in, just get that old Buster Rhymes versus Michael Myers going. Like
1: (laughs) there's too many loud noises in that with, yeah, that's a good point. They're just hanging out by on the California Northern coast, you know, they're right by the fog, you know, and they're just, (laughs) they're just chilling. Um, So four, I just, I enjoy it. I think it's, it's a solid entry it does we're talking about how h2o doesn't do anything wrong but it doesn't really do anything right and this is mm-hmm. like it this one just like it just hits it hits the notes properly is really what this one's doing fair and when you watch it a few times you do get over that mask even though it's, it is <laughs> you're like way at the first thing you see like well something's wrong here <laughs> um but uh i have something to talk about with the masks uh at the end of our ranking not so nice not spoiling, but, but um
0: but yeah, I I can definitely concede that it does feed into kind of the spirit of the original film. Um, mm-hmm. I think actually, for me, it's difficult when you place it, I, I almost have to, if I want to enjoy it, place it apart from the other films, because I, besides Jamie and Loomis, I don't care about any of these characters sure I don't like you you especially when you get so attached to characters like Lori and Lori's not even in this and <laughs> it I don't know I when you have the the whole idea based around like oh yeah we can like we can make this something of like an anthology series and we can start doing these you know really interesting and experimental stories and then obviously they're like no we're just gonna bring michael back it's kind of that same situation to a lesser degree obviously than with uh with five yeah but i just at this when you get to this point it's like okay we've kind of seen what we're doing here i don't have any kind of connection with these characters and they don't really endear themselves to the audience very much it's like again anytime that either jamie loomis or michael aren't on screen my eyes glaze over (laughs) (laughs) and it's not due to like bad performances or bad scripting though there is some of that like it's (laughs) it's just you don't you don't root for any of these characters. And so, I mean, that does help with that ending where it's like the two characters you are rooting for are like, oh man, now like one of them's a psychopath. We'll see what happens. Yeah, But it is one of my lesser enjoyed films out of this sure. for sure.
1: Well, a lot of these movies sort of t- try to echo the original by having a, a bit of um, teenage drama happening with their their human normal protagonists um, before michael disrupts it so rachel has this you know back and forth with the boy in town and whatnot you don't really care and ev- eventually the boy is well he gets picked up and his neck is snapped and the the girl that he's with gets impaled by a shotgun which I think is a very interesting like oh michael has a gun he's gonna shoot someone oh wait ne- never never mind he's not gonna do that
0: i'm surprised uh robert zombie didn't lift that for the for right the remakes right. of course of impale course. somebody on a knock-
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but i like rachel and i like jamie loomis is a solid addition i like burned up bandaged michael the way he looks before he's right. got the, the mask back um it is funny that they're, they're both still alive um, somehow um, Lo- and that loomis, loomis is basically
0: like, unscathed
1: he's like i have a little discoloration on the side of my face after you directly
0: uh, blew yourself up in the middle of a hospital
1: yes he was the epicenter of that explosion um and did not leave that burning room uh, he died yeah <laughs> he said uh, yeah no, no, no he's he's definitely dead um um but i like that i like the climax uh or the, even the um they're getting on the roof and michael's chasing them on the roof and all that sort of stuff yeah. and then the and car chase i think is pretty solid uh, maybe the cops blowing michael away isn't is kind of cheesy looking but um And the end is good. I just, again, it's just, I like the the notes that it hits. It is a solid entry for me into Halloween. Whereas there's just a lot, it's just a lot of, a lot of wet noodles in this franchise.
0: You're not wrong. (laughs) So my number four is going to be one that we disagree on. Again, my number four is Halloween two from 1981. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong real quick though. Um, I didn't mention it yet, but Halloween four turned to Michael Myers, October 21st, 1988 directed by Dwight H little with a screenplay by Danny Lipsius, Larry Ratner and Benjamin Ruffner and Alan B. McElroy. Before you finish, before we go on to Halloween two, I think what's really interesting is the Halloween four
1: marked the end of Carpenter's uh, Carpenter and Hill's official relationship with a cod and the whole right. Halloween franchise. They hired someone else to write a, uh, Uh, this uh, Halloween 4 script Dennis Etcheson he wrote this very supernatural Halloween 4 where Myers is from a a pumpkin patch there's supposed to be no Halloween stuff at all in Haddonfield it's been banned there's an illegal pumpkin patch he bursts out of the pumpkin patch and then uh, Tommy Doyle Lindsay Wallace uh, as teenagers now are like fighting him and he feeds off the town's fear grows to 12 feet tall and eventually disappears in a giant explosion and then a cod said, "No, I don't like that." Um, and, See, I
0: would have ranked that higher. Right, and
1: they said no. He said no, and then um, the Carpenter and Hill were like, "Okay, we're selling our share of Halloween," and that was that was the end. But Halloween two.
0: Halloween two, uh, released on October thirtieth of nineteen eighty one, uh, directed by Rick Rosenthal. Uh, with a screenplay by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and produced by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. You had this at where?
1: Oh, let's do four, five, six, seven. seven.
0: Blasphemy! Seven. Blasphemy! No, no. I say. No, I'm correct. So, so tell me, <laughs> tell me why you're wrong.
1: <laughs> Halloween two is where it all goes wrong. I, no. Halloween two is where it all goes wrong. <laughs> this is the movie that makes. You know, Michael and Jamie, uh, brother and sister. Okay, shouldn't ha- shouldn't have happened. Uh, <laughs> Halloween is great because it, it, it because of the randomness of it. Like, there shouldn't be a motivation. Fair. I know that it's hard to look back on it now and be like, they shouldn't do it because there's so much that's built off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, everything Halloween until um, Halloween 2018 is building off of this brother sister relationship. Even the remix, like, they're canon. That's canon in the remix is that they're. Brother and sister it's it's seeded from the very start of those movies and I guess that's part of what makes it a little bit different too right because um, you're not even sure if Michael is actually trying to kill Lori uh, in most of their the remake actually yeah if he's just like I just want to like be with my sister maybe <laughs> um, and uh, I this is just it's a it's not a bad movie it's just a really like it's just playing into all the the slasher tropes of the early 80s. Mm -hmm. um like you were saying you know in that video that i made i listed off every single slasher movie made between halloween and halloween 2 just three years and there was like 60 something slasher movies made in that time because the the genre genre just blew up and so when they made halloween 2 they were like well we got to compete um so we got to make it meaner um and you know it's um we haven't talked about him yet because he didn't uh, you, you do the cinematography on most of these movies, but the cinematography on this movie is by Dean Cundey, uh who did the original Halloween. Worked a lot with Carpenter, did other movies like Jurassic Park. Great. This is a great looking movie. It's extremely dark. Yeah. Like it's all you know, it's straight on after the original Halloween. It's even later at night. Completely dark. It's hospital Heavy that shadows. it's in. Yeah. Heavy shadows. It works. It looks really great. Um, it's probably the best thing about the movie, um, and. They shot it. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal because Carpenter didn't want to direct it. He wrote it. He said that he hated writing it. Uh Carpenter's so cynical. Uh <laughs> um, we'll go That's on a more of a Carpenter. He is my boy, but he's so <laughs> cynical. He said he didn't do a very good job. He said he sat down every night with a six-pack and and just typed the thing out and just did it. And it's like, here you go. Because he's basically sued into making this movie by a cod because. Akkad was going to produce um, The Fog and Escape from New York with Carpenter. And then mm-hmm. Carpenter kind of got poached by a different producer. And then Akkad was like, no, you were supposed to do that for me and sued him and said, okay, this, it was settled by, it's like, okay, Carpenter, you can make those movies, but you got to do Halloween 2 for me. And so Carpenter obviously hated doing it, uh, but he did also do the music with Alan Howarth. Mm-hmm. Um, Good score. Uh, it's a little bit more faster tempo, a little bit more aggressive than the original. Um, but I just to me, it's just, it's, it's funny. It's just a meaner movie, and I think it kind of throws off the balance of the movie because sure. the movie was shot by Rosenthal. Carpenter said, This movie's boring. Uh, I and then went back and did reshoots to make it uh bloodier and, and the kills being crazier in it. Um mm-hmm. and you can kind of feel that. <laughs> like. Absolutely. This is kind of like people are just kind of like walking around a hospital being like, sure is dark in here. And then explosion of blood. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I will say it it definitely does set you up that this is going to be a much gorier affair with that first kill. Yeah. Where yeah, you just blood, see like just... the blood yeah. splat. For me, I, I love, um, especially when it comes to horror, I love single location stories. I think the the hospital as, like, a horror setup is such a cool setting. Yeah. You know, there's... Who hasn't... You know, if you've been in a hospital at any point in time at night, it is eerie to walk through. Everything's super clean. Everything's very um, clinical. And there could be just random people around every corner. And i like the idea of having that it's a maze that at any point you could find yourself face to face with michael myers (laughs) um it's very cool and it's it i think does that thing that aliens 2 does or that aliens does for alien where there's an escalation for it it is not the same movie which i appreciate Mm -hmm. And them being like, okay, this is now, you know, we got to survive the night for Michael to, like, continue on. And it does something that you don't often see with sequels anymore, where this takes place directly after the first one ends. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I love that this franchise does. That we, you know, we've glossed over it before, but, like, they did the same thing with the remake. Yeah. With part one and part two being maybe five minutes apart from each other in well, storm. at least the
1: opening the opening right. is, and they do that that dream fake out at the beginning of the remake yeah uh, where it's 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 remaking halloween 2 myers is like slaughtering his way again through the hospital and again that movie is so much better when myers isn't in it but um <laughs> and then it's a dream obviously uh yeah but, yeah a little little ode to the original halloween 2
0: exactly and i think that it's you know the the idea of there is one thing that I don't like about it is that Laurie is basically a non-character for half of the film. Curtis did not want to be in this movie. Yeah, and you can tell she didn't even want to grow her hair out for this it movie. Bad it's bad. Yeah, it's real bad. And she doesn't do anything to sell it either. Like <laughs> you can legit tell that she didn't want to be in this at all. Though I I really like the fact that Haddonfield Memorial Hospital is now kind of this like iconic setting Mm -hmm. for horror, especially in the Halloween franchise. Yeah. It's going to be in Halloween kills. Yeah. Very excited about that. Um, And I just, I really like the idea that it's like, okay, the whole first movie was about him kind of weaving his way through this neighborhood. And there's Mm -hmm. a certain amount of anonymity that you can do in that kind of setting where it's halloween people are in masks you know people bumping into you they don't know who you are they just kind of like pass you by and you can hide yourself in the shadow of houses what having one single location does is it puts everybody on alert yeah so everyone is constantly on you know on the back foot everyone's constantly trying to figure out okay who's left and i just i really i really dig it um i also like that we do just like with um with h2o h20 uh we get a definitive ending or it's supposed to be a definitive ending <laughs> yeah where loomis absolutely kills himself with that explosion he dies period <laughs> end of story he's dead yes um at the heart of that explosion you get like the you know, Michael's stumbling out. He's just covered in fire. You know, the mask is just like flames. It's a very cool, very mm-hmm. cool image. And now we get to kind of deal with at the end, you know, Lori survived the night and yeah. she now, you know, has to deal with that going forward. So I like it. I think it's definitely an escalation. It's definitely not the same film and it's not trying to be as yeah. the first film which i enjoy um i don't like that curtis is phoning it in hardcore <laughs> in this film and yeah the... well
1: it, yeah she was at the end of her run in the horror yeah know, genre she'd become a scream queen right with halloween and then she did prom night yes ter- terror train and i think another thing and then halloween too and by now she was like
0: exhausted yeah he was
1: starting to move another movie she's like no more like i can't be <laughs> just in in horror and yeah <laughs> i gotta end
0: up doing freaky friday with Lindsay lohan at one point in my career we gotta good movie. We, get, we gotta get there it's a good movie
1: good movie i re-watched that last year good movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen it forever i gotta re-watch it again it's, fun, it's a fun time i mean
1: i think the curtis is like you know Stand out obviously, she's of course. a great actress, but um,
0: but yeah, uh, so the the big thing about this film is the revelation that yes, Laurie and Michael are related. Mm-hmm. I can take or leave it, I don't yeah. hate it, I don't love it. Um, I think personally, it's a stronger story when they're not related, but I do like that it does give pathos to michael it does give him Mm -hmm. a reason to be hunting down lori um how do you feel about that i think i I get it
1: Mm -hmm. i get why they did it um they needed something to hook the story for more right and more more of a reason you know for for the shape to to hunt uh i just don't like what it does retroactively to the first halloween uh personally um, but it's sort of like you know you need to go somewhere, right? Uh, so I don't have any hard feelings against it. But um, 2018 wiping it out is also I'm totally fine with. Same. Um, and yeah, I think there's some like iconic stuff in this movie for sure. Uh, Michael lifting up the nurse with the scalpel uh, is pretty gnarly. Yeah,
0: um, like lifts one, her up off the floor. Just one, yeah, it's
1: the one scalpel in the back uh, and her shoes falling off. Um, kind of silly but also intimidating is when he just walks right through the glass he just goes and just walks through it uh with dick warlock the stuntman being michael and that just like Arr. and you'd be like i guess i don't usually see michael open doors um
0: <laughs> sure, but we, we, we'll just assume from now on that that's just how he goes through doors he just right, walks just, through them Arr. uh but then the the finale of Laurie shooting
1: out his eyes mm-hmm. and the blood streaming out of the 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 mask holes uh, with his eyes you can finally see his eyes in that yeah. shot really cool looking
0: killer him, visual
1: him kind of swiping around is a little silly but also yes. there's some tension there too like he could like get you and then yeah the fiery end is cool the end of the movie with uh, Mr Sandman playing and he's just <laughs> face down on the ground still burning. You know, Carpenter was like, I'm telling you, this guy's dead. He's like, gone. he's he's gone. He's a crispy critter. He's not moving at all. <laughs>
0: uh
1: and then with four, they're just like, Well, he's just been in a coma. You know, he's got some scars. Uh another it,
0: knock against four, another it, <laughs> strike against four.
1: <laughs> but don't 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 make me get defensive here. Uh <laughs> but you know, at a certain point, you're like, well, you know, you just gotta bring him back, I guess. Just be like, they were all right um and but there's some iconic stuff but to me it's just it's a weird sort of mishmash mm-hmm. trying to do stuff and not quite like i just think that the the drop down from halloween to halloween is it's a pretty sharp dip Fair. for me
0: so we're we are in the home stretch we're in the best of the best what is your number three
1: my number three is halloween three
0: Might as well. Season of the Witch. Um,
1: Yes. This. This, I haven't talked
0: about it all because it has nothing to do with anything else. Anything else. But this is kind of the unsung hero of the franchise for me. This movie is good. It's not great. But this movie is good. I would say
1: it's very good.
0: So this movie, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, was released on October 22nd, 1982. It was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace with a screenplay by Tommy Lee Wallace and was the final film to have uh, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter connected to it, as Matt mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah. So Carpenter wanted the Halloween series to be an anthology. Um, I think where they went wrong is not making Halloween 2 the start of that anthology if halloween two had if halloween three had been halloween two then we could have a very different history of the halloween franchise yeah it'd be a whole different series but when you do two movies on michael myers and then go surprise something completely different you haven't sold the audience on the idea of the anthology Mm -hmm. because anthologies should just be one after another really different right and yeah um so this movie was actually originally written by nigel neal this british sci-fi horror author who made a quater mass and different um, cosmic sort of horror also and carpenter was a huge fan of of nigel neal and you could see nigel neal's influence in carpenter's movies like prince of darkness Mm. uh, if you ever seen that where uh the devil is green goo uh, and um, kind of also uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is a bit Nigel Neal meets H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. And so Carpenter went to Neal and said, I'd love for you to to write a movie uh, with me. And Neal said, well, I think Halloween 1 and 2 are shit, and I don't like you, but I'll write it anyway. <laughs> um, and he did. And the only the only direction was bring witchcraft into the technology era. That was the idea. He wrote it carpenter and hill had rewrites uh neil said how dare you i quit uh tommy lee wallace also had rewrites uh and then neil said take my name off that script um, and <laughs> but i don't think it's anything it's some differences there's some differences but neil was yeah. clearly being very precious with his writing um so this movie how do you describe this movie
0: <laughs> like <laughs> so it's interesting because like it has Pieces of sci fi, yeah, and it has pieces of horror, Mm -hmm. but I feel like you would be doing it a disservice to call it a sci fi horror film
1: because, yeah, no, because I think because it's
0: not, yeah, because like again, like when people think of sci fi, they think of like futuristic stuff, they think of aliens, they think of like Blade Runner, and a Blade Runner 2049, this is not, no, um,
1: Blade Runner 2049, a lot like the uh, original Halloween remake. Both movies, I just go. Let's, let's hurry it up. Just walk a little faster, a little faster, but, guys. But at least
0: Twenty Forty Nine has Anna diarmis She's great.
1: Sure, but come on, let's let's walk <laughs> at a normal speed here, people. This movie could be half an hour shorter.
0: Hey, it's really dusty out there. They gotta walk slow. <laughs> oh sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah this film honestly it's it's kind of an anomaly in itself because it it kind of deals with the idea of halloween which i really like and it kind of seems like that was carpenter's intention with making it a um in anthology series i'm a sucker for anthologies Mm -hmm. and having the defining uh idea of this anthology being like the different interpretations of halloween Mm-hmm. um i think is genius and i think that like you said if this had been the second film yeah this series would have been compl- like we might not have michael myers be this iconic horror uh yeah. horror fixture that we have today um that being said this movie's really freaking weird <laughs> it's really <laughs> yeah, weird it, it has really weird concepts there's a pumpkin mask that crushes people's skulls like that turns kids heads into dumpsters I you know people would say that the Rob Zombie movies do that as well but like (laughs) just been watching them (laughs) (laughs) but like it's so it's so fascinating to me especially when you kind of pair it up with the rest of the series how much it sticks out both for good and for bad yeah it
1: well I mean it's one of those things where like it's so offbeat yeah also in that, it's really hard to describe. It's about this cult that's using pieces of Stonehenge and technology and in masks to kill all the kids that they can, um, you know. And then you get this this piece of crap doctor <laughs> who's trying to stop it all, right? Uh, Tom Atkins, I love Tom Atkins. He's such a fun, like every man character yeah. actor. But man, the doctor that he plays is such a piece of crap. Like, constantly, he's he literally just goes on this journey to try and have sex with this woman. You know, it's like I, she's like, I gotta find out what happened to my dad. And she, he's like, I'll come along with you. Let's spend the <laughs> night together. It's like he's too busy trying trying to have sex to like figure out this thing. It's like something happens in the room next door. He's too busy having sex to like investigate when it has like everything to do with this whole. Conspiracy. There's robots. Um, I think somebody
0: gets killed by a laser beam at one point. Turn, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it like is the concentrated effect. You see the kid put on the mask, and there's the the commercial, and you know it's just so weird. Um, but I think the lasting legacy is uh, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, this is this is critical for this movie. And once you hear it, you can't, you, you can't get it know. out of your head. It's going to be in your head for weeks. We're going to stop know what, right th- there. You
0: know what? That might actually be the outro music to this. Maybe toss up between that and Creed. I don't know.
1: I'm excited to find out. Um, <laughs> but it's really well done. This is a really, really well done movie. I think that uh, Tommy Lee Wallace's direction is really strong. Mm-hmm. It's got great atmosphere. And even though it's just so bug nuts uh, that like you can never predict what's going to happen next.
0: Not even close.
1: But I think the, the poor, like, you know, didn't do as well as they were hoping. Right. Yeah. And there was a lot of people that were like, where's, where's Michael. Michael? <laughs> they were like, okay. And then that's why Halloween four is subtitled. The return of Michael Myers. <laughs> he's back like, y'all. Yeah. He's back. He's the man behind the mask. Oh wait, that's, that's that's jason never mind Wait a second <laughs> that's the wrong song um but yeah i enjoy it strange movie very Total strange. anomaly but if i would say that if you're a halloween fan but you skipped season of the witch because for a long time this was the movie that everyone said skip that as it forget it yeah watch it. it it's we both have it at number three
0: yeah it's, it's solid at the at the very least
1: yeah it is it is it is better than like
0: most of the screen. We have
1: gone through all of the other movies besides two. We've we finally touched on all of them. Even though we dis- disagreed with some of these, we still put Halloween three above the rest of
0: them. That has to tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> what it tells you, I don't know, but it has to tell you something.
1: This is also the start of the second timeline in the Halloween franchise because the, the movie Halloween is a movie in in the reality of Halloween three. This is the second of five Halloween timelines because you go Halloween, the and the you, the it's Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, 5, and 6. That's one timeline. Halloween 3, that's its own timeline, right? Then you get, um, uh, Halloween, Halloween 2, H2O, and Resurrection, that's its own timeline. Mm -hmm. That's three. Then you get, uh, the remake timelines, that's four, right? And then you get the, the new, the new Halloween, which is Halloween. Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. 5 times.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> so, I think these next two, unless I'm way off base, we're gonna agree on. So, let's tackle these. Alright. What do you have at number two? My number
1: two is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives.
0: I knew it! <laughs> Mine was actually Jason X. Okay? So, let's talk about this. <laughs> uh
1: he's got a hockey mask uh (laughs) how my number two is halloween
0: 2018 halloween h40 here we go the revenge of laurie strode yes i watched this today oh nice um and it's a real good film man like it's arguably you know a lot of people like to kind of like crap on it because it's like ah it's just the first one again but older and it's like yeah i get it but like man the the treatment of this film especially of the characters of laurie strode and michael myers is Mm -hmm. masterful
1: yes i totally agree it is some major whiplash watching some of these movies and then going to halloween 2018 because even if you're not like crazy about it like the the skill and quality here is like such a level up from almost everything else it's crazy yeah yeah i i really do think these top three are all really well done agreed um but it's just it's a it's a big it's a big step up yeah it's a really big step up
0: so Halloween released on uh, October 19th, of 2018. It was directed by David Gordon Green with a screenplay by Jeff Fradley, Danny McBride, and David Gordon Green. And of course, produced by Malika Kadd, uh, Jason Blum, and Bill Block. And this is, as Matt mentioned, the fifth timeline where we've jumped straight from the first Halloween to here. And it's 40 years later. Um, I love this for all of the reasons that i love um linda hamilton in Mm, mm -hmm. terminator 2 i love the idea of someone who is so shaken by an experience that they have steeled themselves to Mm -hmm. get ready for the inevitable return of whatever the hell this thing is yeah um lori strode at this point has like become a recluse turning her entire house into a bunker um while Michael has been imprisoned basically for the last 40 years he was captured on the night which is how but <laughs> glossing over that um i really like the whole start of this too where it's like oh of course these two losers from this true crime podcast want to come and show michael's old mask
1: <laughs> i was going to ask what your thoughts are on podcasters being the true villains of this movie
0: i don't see a correlation personally <laughs> um <laughs> no i think it's it's really fun and again it Speaks to the modernization and the yeah. um, the almost chameleon-like aspect of this franchise. And that at different points, you can take snapshots. You can take the original film. You can take H20. And you can take this. And they're very clearly movies of their time. And yep. you see the progression, you see the progression, not just in the narrative, but also in time. You get to see how the years have weighed on both of them. Michael has been basically despondent in a in a walking coma for most of these past decades, while uh, Lori has alienated herself from her entire family. Yeah um it's and again yeah, the Ma- fact
1: that they she lost her her daughter her daughter was taken away by child services yeah yeah it's a big it's pretty heavy
0: absolutely and then you know she's kind of reconnecting with her granddaughter and yeah. her granddaughter and the, the thing i love about this film is that immediately they told you in the trailer like hey this is going to be something different we're going back to the basics they are not related and <laughs> yeah. It was like in all the trailers and that's like again one of the things that I remember so much about this it's that and the teeth
1: those are the two things that I remember (laughs) from
0: that first trailer where I was like oh this is bad this is this is bad for everyone everyone's gonna be in trouble here yeah it's interesting that
1: just having it be Halloween and having Michael captured directly after sort of demystifies him right and but then this movie builds him back up yeah it it remystifies michael um it's really how michael myers got his groove back the movie <laughs> and um yeah it's interesting uh it walks an interesting line between paying a lot of debt to the original but also being a very modern movie right like it is very sleek it is very efficient and brutal um And uh, has some a lot of stylish flair to it. Um, The uh, Michael on Halloween night, going from house to house, and the one shot um, following him around. So good! It's really well done. It's very brutal. It's really cool. I think it immediately like, I mean, they showed some of that in like a trailer, and that was a big you know selling point because no movie since the original had tried to do a a oneer, you know, really like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's pretty clear that a lot of the other movies were directed by not great talent. Yeah. Like if you look at the, the, um, the track records of, of some of the other people, like, you know, Steve Miner did, you know, Friday the 13th parts two and three, and those are fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it's uh, Rick Rosenthal directed two, and he then directed eventually directed resurrection. What um, a jump. Oof uh, but there's not a whole lot of uh, p- pedigree to a lot of the other directors. but David Gordon Green he's he's a good director. Um, yeah, he's he been all over the place all sorts of genres over the years, but he's a good director. He writes this well. You can feel Danny McBride's uh, touch with a lot of like the tertiary characters and like sort of their comedic dialogue. I think mm. is McBride like adding a lot to that um, kind of you can you can feel that with them like the 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 young boy. Um, you know, and and he kind of steals the show for a bit uh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but it's really well done. It's sleek, you know. It's interesting in that you can there's this huge jump in what horror is between the Rob Zombie remake and Halloween 2018. It's right. eleven. It's eleven years, and they are again this huge world of difference huge jump. Yeah, and what they're trying to do and how they're doing it because. This movie can be really brutal also. Absolutely. Um, but it doesn't like luxuriate. It revel in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's again, it's fast, you know, mean kills, clean kills, bloody. The original Halloween really isn't bloody at all. And this mm-hmm. definitely has its share of blood. Um, but I, I think it's really well done. It's such a good looking movie too. Yeah. Like it's, it's really well shot. Uh, cinematographer Michael Simmons. I don't know anything else that he's done but this is great. And Oh man, the Carpenter score. Oh, is so incredible. Like the way that it is this lovely, um, return of the, uh, the original score, but with, you know, uh, this new sound, cause it's him and his son, Cody Carpenter and Dave Davies, who also make their own music together as a small band. Carpenter puts out his own albums. Check them out. They're really good. Yeah, I'll Um, check them out. And when he's done some he's done some uh remakes of his old themes, if you it's called anthology, which is all Carpenter's best themes, but redone by him and and those two. Oh, that's cool. They kick ass. It's really good. You know, the the electric guitar meeting Carpenter's synth is this amazing blend. Um, I'm gonna pull up one of my favorite pieces that I just think, you know, there's there's a lot to this score really does elevate the movie yeah um it adds some fear it adds excitement uh, a lot of propulsion it's so good and uh i also think the score to season of the witch is really good also Mm. which is also by carpenter um but yeah it's really good this is uh this is the shape hunts allison And yeah, it's just like there's the Carpenter synths. Mm-hmm. And then you get, it's going to kick in eventually. This is when he comes around like the wrought iron fence to hunt. Yeah. Uh, Jingy's or uh, Lori's granddaughter. And then that and then, man, chills. So cool. Such a, yeah. Oh, man. What a soundtrack. And, the, yeah. and I'm excited for the Halloween Kill soundtrack, too. Yeah. And they put out little bits, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, this is good. And they know that it's a big selling point because For sure. Carpenter ama- amazing, amazing um, musician, amazing series of soundtracks. He will tell you that the only reason he did his own scores was because it was cheap. Um, and he refers to his own scores as wallpaper, um, <laughs> but he sells himself so
0: short. That's, that's pretty, pretty wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um. Yeah, this film's incredible. I'm really excited to see how they wrap up this story because I don't know how you stretch it out to three films. I'm sure they've got a plan, but I mean, all the marketing in Halloween Kills says like, you know, Michael dies tonight, but who knows? <laughs> who knows where we go from here?
1: I just don't think that he's going to die uh, this time tonight. night. I think that the movie's <laughs> going to have a major cliffhanger. I think that's what you're going to do yeah i think you're just gonna be like major cliffhanger halloween ends comes next year look out look out for it yeah
0: but yeah so i think that that brings us to number one um i kind of figured that it was going to be the case here i'm surprised. i did have to say
1: just for 2018 the climax of that movie kicks ass too
0: absolutely i'm a sucker for home invasion stories uh-huh and like hits all the right notes.
1: Great. Michael turns someone's head into a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, and then the whole, that uh, Lori's daughter feigning helplessness and then turning it on him and shooting him. And then the whole trapping him, setting him on fire, having all, oh, it's so good. I love so it. So good. Anyway, yes. And that, oh, and that soundtrack for the end kicks ass too. Oh. After this, it's, it's going to be Creed and, and
0: Carpenter <laughs> back to back. Creed and Carpenter. The <laughs> only two C's you need in your life. <laughs> So for number one, I'm pretty sure if you are familiar with this franchise in any way, you kind of knew where we were going here. Um, It's Halloween. It's the original 1978 classic um, directed by, of course, who else? John Carpenter uh, with a screenplay by Carpenter as well as Deborah Hill and produced, of course, by Deborah Hill. This film is a classic this film Mm -hmm. is iconic for all of the right reasons and it establishes laurie strode it establishes michael myers it establishes the town of haddonfield and really what is so incredible about this is that they got almost everything right on the first try (laughs) (laughs) yes like a lot of these slasher films especially you know long-time series like Friday the 13th didn't really hit their stride until a few installments in? Right,
1: definitely. Yeah, Friday's one of those ones where you're like, okay, we eventually form yeah. what, we're, what we want. Once we get <laughs> this, there. This is iconic right from the start, and that's the power of it too. Yeah, And it's such an interesting collision of, of events that made it happen. Like, it's a well-known story by now, but the, um, the Michael Myers mask is a William Shatner mask that they found in
0: a store. Incredible.
1: They spray painted it white. Uh, they did a few different changes to it. They changed the eye holes a bit. Uh, and they just, it was either going to be that or a clown mask. And they found this and they went go with that because in Carpenter's mind, it was all about the removal of, of human identity right. from this killer. There was nothing about that. They said he wore a mask in the script, but they didn't have details. And they found it. And uh, that's also one of the reasons why the masks suck so much in a lot of the other movies, because it was this one mask they found and they, they used it and they couldn't recreate it. Spe- they couldn't quite <laughs> recreate it ever. And the 2018 is really good. It looks like it, but weathered, uh, but it's still not quite the same. Yeah. But um, But they they poured a lot of money into remaking they that thing. They
0: absolutely did.
1: Yeah, they're like, we got to rebuild it from scratch. We got to make this look as good as possible. Um. <laughs> You know, it's just Carpenter. I don't think was had the intentions of making like this like all time horror classic that would you know reinvent, would basically solidify and invent a genre. Yeah. Um, but he and Deborah Hill did. Like I was saying, originally it was going to be the the babysitter murders was the name of it. The idea mm-hmm. Carpenter was like Carpenter Hill were like, let's set it on Halloween, and they were like, there is no movie named Halloween. Well, let's name it Halloween done um, and there you go and what i really like about the movie is that it is small uh mm-hmm. it is focused yeah uh and it feels very natural which increases sort of the banality of michael myers evil right you know, it, the, it's a
0: very tight narrative
1: yeah it's Lori and friends have their day it's halloween michael says michael has escaped loomis is after him uh, and you know uh, he just targets them because Lori comes up to his home, you know, his old home. One day, he sees her and is like, "Okay, I'm just gonna go kill her." Yeah, <laughs> you know. And you never really get inside the head of, of Michael. And Loomis is like, he's just pure evil. You know, uh I don't think we should have psychiatrists being like, "Well, that guy's just pure evil." You know, that's not, he's, not really he's done. Yeah,
0: um, though but a, that's a great performance yeah. by Donald Pleasance in this.
1: Lonnie, uh, get your ass away from there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like when you watch the film, especially if you're watching it for the first time, you're not expecting to root for, for uh, Loomis. Uh-huh. Cause it's not like it's, he's this very focused character who is like, it is Michael and nothing else. He needs to track this guy down because he's yeah. dedicated the better part of his life to essentially trying to figure him out and really when you get down to it you know your three main characters michael myers laurie strode dr loomis yeah and everybody else is i mean expendable but like (laughs) yeah but they are but they totally are and i love that a lot of the film is build up I think there mm-hmm. is something to be said about, you know, we we mentioned that like half the film of H20 or H2O is just people talking and Michael Myers not doing anything. There's a lot of that in this film too. Like it's it's the first time you see you really see Michael as he's fully formed, the mask, the the mechanics jumpsuit, the whole deal. He's just stalking Laurie. Yeah. And it's like you know he's he's peeking out from behind a bush he's like standing in like a closed line like it's unsettling and it's so well done the tension as it builds to that first like attack on her it's it's masterfully done you already mentioned the score is incredible uh the performances are ridiculously good and having it be centered around this idea of yeah, these babysitters are basically getting stalked by this guy. Like, we don't know why he's doing this, but he's just doing it. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying.
1: Yeah, and um great cinematography. Um, the just there's so much of Laurie looking out the window. There's just no one out there, the neighborhood is dead, uh, and then just <laughs> there's that shot where Tommy looks across the street. And Michael is just standing, you know,
0: uh, in yeah, kind of the, yeah.
1: the darkness. Or then we see him moving the body in at one point. And you're like, and it's so passive. Carpenter has a really great, you know, sort of passive look to a lot of his movies. He's not flashy, but he has right. amazing compositions. And Cundy has amazing compositions and amazing at, at lighting. And so these like frames of M- Michael, you know, in the distance, uh, are slowly coming toward you when he's like walk when he's following laurie across the street when she goes over there and everything happens and she runs out and he's following her and he's just methodically coming after her and it's so passive uh that he's passive but also the the camera work is passive it just feels inevitable you know and it's yeah. chilling because it can be scary but the movie is chilling and the score is very chilling uh it is you know this chilling you know light synth work uh that both you have the Halloween theme, and you then you have the more the the melodic sort of little little bits that fill in the corners of of, of that. It's such a cheap production, um, yeah. But like, um, so they filmed this in Pasadena, uh, which is hilarious. And the uh, the Myers House is still standing. It's actually been moved. Um, really, it they it moved to so in South Pasadena. There's this little downtown area this old town area yeah where the train tracks are and now it's it's right there by the train tracks it's a dentist office now uh so if you're ever there go see it i used to live in pasadena and i'd been around there a bunch but i didn't realize that was the house until i had left the area it's amazing um, uh and uh you can see some palm trees you know this is supposed to be illinois but there's palm trees they had a bag full of dead leaves that had been painted brown by the by you know the special effects department that they would throw on the ground for every shot, choose a shot, pick them back up. <laughs> <It's> the <next laughs> shot, throw it on the ground. You know, that's you know the type of of production they were working with. But um it's lightning in a bottle. It's just such lightning in a bottle, all the elements and yeah. uh the this Michael's you know depiction is incredible. Again, there's a reason why he's the shape.
0: Because yeah.
1: he lacks all human form. Uh he is just this you know placid silhouette you know the 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 only time he does anything is when he he pins the boyfriend you know to the wall with which is an amazing kill uh and uh then he just kind of tilts his head just a little bit just to look at him just unsettling just to kind of see what he's done like huh almost like a child, just to some degree, just like interesting. And then that's it. Um, And again, the, the, the final act, especially once Laurie goes over there and you're like, don't go over there. (laughs) Don't go over there. And, uh, and then everything goes crazy is, is amazing. Um, And then also I think the key, a major aspect of this whole film is this, Is Michael the boogeyman, right? Right. And, um, you know, that Michael is uh, this, uh, he was human, he's lost all his humanity. In Carpenter's movies, evil is often, um, lacks all personality, lacks, lacks all humanity, and it removes personality from you. When Michael becomes fully evil, he loses all his personality, which is what you see at the very start. In that great, um, it's actually like three shots edited together. But it's using a panaglide, which is a lot like a cam, but early, an earlier version. So you mm-hmm. get this sort of interesting little wobble to it in the panaglide. Um, and then you, uh, and then he's just he lacks all humanity. And you can, and and it's this idea of the boogeyman, right? right. Is Michael Myers. And then at the end of the movie, you know, he's shot, right? Five times, even though Loomis insisted six (laughs) in the next movie. Falls, does the weird little... uh,
0: uh, 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 Tumbles backwards over that railing. Who put that there?
1: Yeah. He's on the ground, then he's gone. And then at the very end with the music playing, you revisit all the locations (sighs) he's in. You hear his breathing. (sighs) And then that's the end of the movie. And it's like, he
0: could be anywhere. Could be anywhere. He could Could be be in the theater
1: with you. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. I, I I love everything about his presentation. And mm-hmm. what's great about this film is that it really does set up all the tropes that we would come to know and love. Like the boyfriend getting pinned is right after you know teenagers have sex in an empty house or a supposedly empty house yeah you know we've got that moment where it's like oh don't go in there you want to shout at the screen but like you know she's not going to hear you you know all of these great um tropes that we're so familiar with and we're so used to having this was revolutionary at the time yeah and even now you know over 40 years later it holds up yeah it holds up and not only that it's still engaging
1: yes and absolutely.
0: like you said that finale again i'm a sucker for home invasion and like having lori continue to somehow you know kill him she stabs him she like does everything humanly possible to like try and put him down and he just keeps getting up yeah sitting
1: up behind her
0: in the background that oh, shot is so good so it's good perfect little thing the
1: um the best scare in the movie though in my opinion is she goes over sees you know a friend with the the tombstone then the bodies and everything she's freaked out she goes outside in, in the hallway and she's like crying and then in the dark right over her shoulder michael's face slowly appears oh. slowly appears. It's the scariest thing in the entire movie to me, because it, it's not a jump or anything like that. It is the sudden realization of exactly what's what's there, and she has no idea. And you slowly realize
0: it. It's great. It's it's yeah yeah. And it again, it it feeds into that whole idea of like what what makes him special is the idea of like he doesn't need to run, mm-hmm. he doesn't need to actively chase. He will just appear where he needs to,
1: and that works really well in this movie. Some movies. You know, you're like not so much. He should just be running. Like he's he's a light jog, please. He's 20 feet away from Paul Rudd. If he just walks slightly faster, he'd be dead, like (laughs) that kind of thing. But
0: Paul Rudd's not that athletic in this movie. You can catch up to him.
1: Yes, this isn't this isn't Ant Man Paul Rudd. Uh (laughs) but yeah, um, you know, maybe people that have watched a ton of modern horror movies would watch this and think it's you know, too simple or boring, but to me, it is a it's just a classic an absolute classic um and it it does it so well um yeah you yeah. can't really beat it it's not totally my favorite agree. not my favorite carpenter movie i'm a huge carpenter fan um it's what like it is
0: your favorite carpenter movie
1: um put you on the spot in my mind my favorite carpenter movie is a toss-up between the thing and escape from new york
0: oh two excellent yeah. choices i'm not sure. sure do you have, do you have a favorite i'd have to look at his whole discography but the the thing is definitely up there because
1: sure he had such a great run for me he did halloween is obviously amazing but so is escape from new york the thing christine big trouble in little china they
0: live that's um, right big trouble yeah. in little china yeah, yeah. It, it might be big trouble in little china because that movie's ridiculous.
1: Yes. My nickname for my car is the Pork Chop Express. Yes. Um, so you know, it's definitely it's a, that's a fun crazy satire, but um yeah. but it, you know, Halloween is such a huge influential movie and and it's it's defined a
0: lot of his career too. Right. And as we're kind of looking forward into what we've got left again this week, Halloween Kills is gonna be dropping on HBO Max and then is it going to be in theaters as well? Yes. Or just HBO Max. Okay. It's dual.
1: It's dual. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to watch it on HBO Max at home. Same. Um, uh, even though it would be really fun to watch it with a, with a big audience, I'm just not going to be able to do
0: it. Um, and then we've but, got Halloween ends next year.
1: Yeah. If it hadn't been for the pandemic, we'd be getting Halloween ends right now, actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm, It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens and how it sets up that next one. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, I did a small mini extra ranking. Oh, I'm ready. It is all of Michael Myers masks ranked. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. Should we go from worst to best or best to worst?
0: Oh, worst to best, of course.
1: Okay, worst to best. All the way down at the bottom, which I think, let me see, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, there's eleven, even though there's, there's, you know, because uh, I'm counting kills also. Oh, okay, gotcha. There's only ten movies with Michael in it right now, but there's a eleven with coming up. So number eleven, Halloween five, the long neck version. (laughs) That neck is too long. It's really weird. Uh, uh, number ten, Halloween six, the weird texture version. It's got the. It looks like someone kind of like. Did finger paint on it or something. <laughs> uh, number nine, uh, Halloween 4, the plain version. Obviously, there's just absolutely nothing going on there. No. Uh, uh, number eight, Resurrection, the more wide-eyed version. Uh, uh, that'll make sense because uh, num- number seven is Halloween H2O, the wide-eyed version. You can see his eyes and his <laughs> eyebrows yeah. in in both of those. Also, real quick, in Halloween 5, there's there's a few... There's like at one point he's wearing a mask with blonde hair in like one shot, um, and also in H2O in one shot they um, made a digital mask. For whatever reason they didn't have the mask on the day, so it's a computer-generated version of Michael's mask. It, it when you when you know it and you see it is gonna make you jump out of your skin because um,
0: <laughs> I don't want to see
1: it. Number seven, uh, remake to the torn apart version you know, where you can kind of see half his face.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It works well with that movie. Kind of an odd choice.
0: And nothing else.
1: (laughs) And nothing. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And number five, the original Halloween to the misshapen version. It's been, someone's been sitting on that mask for a while. Yes. Uh, Because it is actually the original Halloween mask that they used again for number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number four, the Halloween remake, the weathered version, you know, it's craggly, Uh, but it looks cool uh number three the halloween kills burned older version you know if you've seen he's it part of the mask is all burned up from him being in that that fire uh Mm -hmm. at the end of of 2018 number two 2018 the older version it's a very well done uh aged version of it and of course number one the original
0: halloween well done thank you matt for that impromptu Mask ranking. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to kind of recognize how much the mask lends itself to the quality of the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, do you have any final thoughts on Michael Myers, the Halloween franchise, and anything else having to do with what we've talked about?
1: Well, to quote Buster Rhymes... Michael Myers is a killer mother effing and shark. <laughs> um,
0: I, I mean, we could end it off there, Jesus. <laughs> uh
1: it, I I think that you do not need to watch all these movies. Even no. if you're a fan, if you watch some of the best ones, you're like, oh, I want to watch more. I would not recommend it necessarily unless Don't. you're a glutton for punishment. Um <laughs> But uh, at the same time, it's fascinating. And the -the behind-the-scenes stories of the Halloween franchise are really fascinating. And I'm thankful for these new remakes, these continuations, the reboot, because it's bringing us new, good Halloween. And maybe one day we'll tip the scales in the balance between good versus bad Halloween movies. Maybe. Unless these new ones
0: suck. We're going to find out this week. But uh, yeah, honestly... The franchise itself is one of those fascinating looks at how studio interference can really shape how a franchise is and how it's presented. Um, Michael Myers is an icon almost in spite of it. And (laughs) all the films here are building on his legacy for better and for worse. I would say if you really want to, just watch the top four of each of our lists. Like there you go. It's all you need to know.
1: Yeah. Really, I agree.
0: You could just do the top three. Cause we agreed on all the top three.
1: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair.
0: But um, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Michael Myers is great. And um, as, uh, as we get along here, if our listeners want to catch up with you, if they want to hear more of your uh, hot takes, on why uh, for some reason part four is better than part two. Uh, where can they find you? Uh,
1: you can find me on YouTube uh, just for Matt Draper being my channel. I'm doing a whole month of horror uh, for uh, the month of Halloween. At the point that this will come out, I've had a video on unmade Halloween movies, a video on the Evil Dead trilogy, and a video on Universal Monsters. Uh, so those will all be out uh and the next one to come out after that will be on aliens dead orbit yeah uh and then you can follow me on twitter uh yt where i am definitely talking a lot about horror this month so uh yeah and that's about it cue the creed <laughs>